Um, I see we have only three members. Uh, <clears throat> and the DMC. I was still connecting, Shay. I'm here. Thank you very much. Okay. So we'll wait for two to join and then we'll start with our meeting. Um, thank you very much, uh, <clears throat> honorable members. Colleagues, so we have the numbers to start now. Yes, Chair Okay, thank you very much. Can you flag the agenda? Um, There's the agenda. Let me take this opportunity to welcome um, all members um, in this meeting, um, just to indicate that, uh, <clears throat> again, we, 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 had, um, we have had the one item on the agenda after we, we have failed to get uh, permission from the <clears throat> Chair of Chairs for us to visit uh, KZN. Um, our intention was to go and visit KZN and see for ourselves and then uh, receive uh, briefings when we're in KZN. Now <clears throat> that we, we have not uh, received the approval yet, um, we just thought uh, time it's, it's it's not on our side. We should then call the department just to take us through on the matters. Um, we we have had that um, the issues of their intervention on the on the uh, floods um, assisting communities which, which are affected by the floods. Um, and and the, the disaster that has happened in case um, other areas uh, of the of the of the of South Africa, just to come and get such a briefing. Um, so we have added it. That's why we <coughs> we have requested this meeting to start at nine, just to 
um, for for the purpose of receiving that uh, we ate 30 minutes in our <coughs> in our time. So that that is the agenda, honourable members. Um, um can i get the adoption any indication of the adoption of the agenda agreed chair um thank you very much uh, mr honorable Aaron. <clears throat> any seconder Can I get the second <coughs> second for them for the for the adoption of the agenda? I second the adoption chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Safai. Um, can I then request the meeting to observe a moment of silence for meditation or prayer? Thank you very much. Uh, <clears throat> As I've indicated, members, um, you're welcome to the meeting. Again, we, would, um, we want to congratulate all members who have taken part in the vote yesterday. Um, and, and thank you very much for the <clears throat> For, for the inputs, um, um, we we have done very well, all of us. Um, let me ask Koliswa to note um, apologies. Good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, members and our guests. I have two apologies that I have received. One is from Ms. Butelezi. Uh, the, this meeting is, uh, she's saying that this meeting is clashing with the COCTA meeting, so she's attending COCTA. And the DG, uh, Mr. Mule Lochangana, is in another meeting. Uh, he will join us later. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we'll then now allow the department to lead us. I'm not sure whether it's the minister is here. Or the the DM to lead us on the first presentation. Uh, let, we'll take all the presentation uh, simultaneously, and then later we'll then allow members to interact with presentation. Uh, DM. Uh, morning, Chairperson. Uh, I will. I'm just showing my face now so that you see me that I'm not in the bedroom. Um, I will switch off the video because of the problem of network. Uh, thank you very much for allowing me to switch off my, I'm just showing my face as a show, kind of showing respect to the members of parliament. Uh, I will switch off my video. Uh, Chair, Thank you very much, uh, uh, 
for congratulating us and for yesterday. And, and greetings to all members of the Cultural Committee, the DDGs and officials uh, present this morning. Chairperson, as we know that um, the minister is Wednesday, this cabinet, uh, so I'll, I'm here and, and also with the two DDGs maybe, um, also the DDG has is, is, is written something uh, on my <clears throat> message to say she's driving, but she'll catch on the way she's going to the Eastern Cape. What I'm trying to say, maybe I might have not all DTGs uh, here this morning. Chaplain, <clears throat> as requested, uh, the Department of Human Settlements is here today to update the Portfolio Committee on the Finance Linked Individual Subsidy Program, which is called LISP. We will also be presenting on the implementation of the district development model in human segments program, as well as interventions and relief efforts to assist communities affected by the disaster due to recent floods. Again, Chairperson, just before start of the current financial year, Minister made pronouncement in relation to FLISP, which now know as the Help Me Buy a Home program. I think it's it's an easy name for mm. and also encouraging um, uh, people that the idea is to help people to buy homes. Um, a lot of consultation took place leading to decision to revise policy and a lot of factors were considered as such with effect from the 1st of April 2022. LIPS is also extended to non-mortgage housing finance facilities and may be used in combination with a number of financing models, including building houses in rural areas, which I think it, it makes us very happy for those people that are in the rural areas that they are now going to benefit. And I think it will make also the people happy that those that are in the rural areas and the first quantum range has also increased uh, by between 7.2 uh, and 10% uh, to ensure quick turnaround times. We are in the process of automating the application process. We believe this change will go a long way in enhancing affordability of home loans as households will be able to put in higher deposit for their home loans and cover other housing needs approved in the policy. In relation to implementation of DTM delays, presentations, uh, focuses on the work done by department to align plans with the purpose of achieving collaborative programs. A lot of efforts has been put in the implementation of DTM aligned priority human segments and housing development areas. So the presentation provide an overview of investment per district, highlighting achievements and challenges. If you still remember when we came here, uh, Chair, to present the APP, one of the areas that we're there talking about, the, the, in, 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 before there was no alignment, before DDM, of, of all the three years of government. And then the DDM now is looking at making uh, sure that there's alignment 
and 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 that is in the APP because avoiding double dipping and doing same things and working silos. And I think we, it, though it's still uh, difficult, but we are we, we are on it, trying to uh, doing things together as three spheres of government. And before I hand over to the team uh, to present the chairperson, our last presentation will provide an update on the impact floods experience and the work done in the cases in Eastern Cape and Northwest Province. <clears throat> Assessment of the damage is ongoing. Unfortunately, some areas have been <clears throat> difficult to is due to damages to roads and bridges, more especially in the in, in KZN. <coughs> Even difficult to drive in some areas because of the, um, the roads that are damaged. However, reconstruction and redevelopment work has begun in all three provinces. So without wasting a lot of time explaining, but I was just giving the synopsis of what is in the in the uh, three um, um, presentation. With those few words, share, I will hand over to DDG Cheney to take us through the presentations. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, morning, Chair. Must I continue? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, did, did you? Thank you. Uh, morning, Chairperson, DM, uh, honourable members, uh, colleagues. Uh, Chair, I'm joined in the uh, in the meeting by my colleagues, uh, Acting DDG Nontlandla Butelezi, who will take us through the uh, first presentation to help me buy my home. The revisions of that, uh, I will take us. I will take us through the DDM. Uh, uh, presentation, and then uh, Dr. Sokopo, the acting DDG responsible for informal settlements and emergency housing, will take us through the last presentation on the progress report on emergencies. Thank you, Chair, with your permission. I'll ask uh, acting DDG uh, Butelezi. Thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Cheney. Uh, good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, Deputy Minister. Good morning, members, and good morning, uh, colleagues. Uh, my name is Nanda Andla. My name is Butelezi. Um, I will be taking you through the presentation on the FLISP uh, program. Uh, if we can, it's maybe what project I can see it's still not on the screen. It's not a very long presentation. We try to summarize it so that at least we focus on the key points around it. I'm not sure who's assisting with projecting, unless I'm the one who doesn't see it on my side. You have the right, so you can project. Okay. I'm using a cell phone. Uh, maybe if I could request Paul to assist uh, from the department side. Okay, I will. I will assist. Uh... Okay, and members. Um, I think uh, the presentation, like I said, it's uh, very brief. 
It's about 15 slides, but I'll try and what's maybe go through the key ones. I take it it has been distributed, plus also the policy document as well. In terms of what's maybe yeah, just a minute. Um, yes. Looks like yes, also struggling. Um, it's okay. Thank you very much. Uh, apologies, chairperson and members, for that. Uh, if you can put it on a slideshow, okay. Uh, in terms of uh, what's the first slide, I think we are just uh, reflecting the purpose or maybe the table of content to say our presentation to cover those areas from the purpose up to recommendation. It also touches on the consultations, which I think I'll uh, sort of go through in the next uh, pages, including the problem statement, the different options we have and the policy reforms, including funding arrangements. Uh, you can move to the next slide, Paul. In terms of the next slide, it's just the purpose to say we are providing members of the uh, portfolio committee with the details of the revised uh, uh, finance linked uh, individual subsidy program, which is now called Help Me Buy a Home program. Uh, in as much as we say it's a Help Me Buy a Home program, there are also other proposals on the table to give us a different names uh, over and above what we are sharing with you. Uh, in this slide, thank you. Uh, we are talking about the consultation process, which I think the Deputy Minister has reflected earlier on in her opening remarks, to say the process started as far back as before, even to, uh, July 2018. But in July 2018, I think that's what marked the initial um, what phases of what we ended up approving in February this year. Uh, women make took an in-principle decision to say we need to look at the performance of fleet and come up with other options that are not necessarily linked to the mortgage option. And part of the problem was that the performance was not uh, very good and uh, there were a number of reports that were tabled, which I think I will make a reference to as I proceed with the presentation. I must say, Chair and members, we've consulted extensively from 2018, uh, 2020, up to even 2022, where we were receiving inputs. We did meet with uh, institutions like PASA, we did meet with um, DPSA in the JES programs, we did meet with other AOS, maybe partners who are playing a role in terms of the finance industry. We have done a lot of work which led to us being able to what have the proposal, the, the, the policy that got approved in February. We have uh, uh, approved, I think it got discussed at MinMEC in February, and MinMEC gave the approval and subsequent to that we've communicated in line with the provisions of Section 4 of the Housing Act to say we need to communicate with the provinces and the metro. So we've sort of distributed the community 
participation in relation to that and also gazetted a little bit. In the next slide, Chair, I've indicated that there was a problem. I think the slide is trying to reflect in terms of the overall problem, which we saw maybe as a department in terms of performance of the program. You will see the targets are always high, but in terms of delivery, the numbers are a little bit low. There is a legend there at the bottom. I think the key what's what to note is that the best performance of the program, I think, was recorded around 2016, uh, 2017. And we've tried to sort of improve over the years, but it has not been maybe as good as the other years, including the best performance we had around 2019 and 2020. Looking at these numbers, I think the concern, like I indicated, is that we need to find other mechanisms of dealing with this problem of the finance link which the instrument was more based on um, us getting approvals maybe of mortgages from the bank. In the next slide, it is a slide that reflects in terms of what we monitor as a department from our offices of the home loan disclosure, which is a unit in the department. And in this office, we get reports from the financial institutions, including the banks which we analyze and it will tell us what the banks are, whether the banks are granting mortgage or not, or home loans or not. But overall, if you look at this slide, our analysis did reflect that there is indeed a problem. Uh, the banks are not granting uh, much uh, what um, finances to persons in terms of home loans and, and mortgages, given that if you look at the thresholds you have there, some are not that visible, but you can see the zero to 3,005. It's very small, 3,500 and five, to 5,500, it's still also small. And it goes up to the one which is more visible. The bottom line uh, that we had to deal with, or we still have to deal with, it's in relation to the problem of the banks not lending much in terms of um, the income categories that goes up to 15,000. If you look at the graph, I think it does reflect the one that is more visible to say all the banks are in what sort of lending in the categories that are between 15,000 and above, which I think also presents a problem in terms of our uh, what target group, which goes up to what may be 22,000. In terms of what we do as a department, we would have analyzed, and as we were discussing all this, because they relate to the affordable housing program performance, which I think when we engage with the banks and analyze the reports, it becomes very clear that there is a problem. In the next slide, I think we've tried to summarize to say what are the reasons that the banks are giving to us. I think I've elevated about five of them which is what we get from the reports. And as we dealt with the list in the form of the old list that was, uh, was mortgage-based, uh, there are problems of lack of affordability. Uh, there are uh, problems in terms of impaired credit records, uh, high levels of indebtedness and unacceptable collateral security and poor credit records. Uh, what became a, a, what's an issue is the fact that even when we look at our beneficiaries also doing other different studies, we did get um, an explanation from some of the beneficiaries to say some of them will say uh, they were regarded as not um, uh, having sufficient background 
record given that they are new in the uh, sector or new in the in employment. They have not been able to make any debt in any other bank. So part of the rational around why the bank will decline is to say, we don't have sufficient um, um, a track record of you servicing debt. Apart from all the other problems to say, I would have been declined because I'm overcommitted. My salary and my debt, I think it's um, too less. I've got too much credit uh, on my name because I've got other uh, accounts like clothing and, and furniture shops. And in some, they would reflect that they've uh, missed certain payments or they've defaul defaulted on servicing their debt. So as a department, we looked at the options which are presented on the screen. Uh, one part, it's the traditional one, which we call it a mortgage uh, uh, option, of play, which is the traditional form of BLISP. And in terms of what we are updating on, it's the new options that we are providing, uh, which has those different ranges where we are saying in the new FLISP, we should be able to use the FLISP with the uh, government employee housing scheme, which is run by Department of Public Service and Administration. We should be able to use FLISP uh, together with other employer-assisted uh, housing schemes, which could be either in the mining houses or in the manufacturing sector. You can be able to use FLISP with unsecured loan and all those options. I'm not going to go through all of them one by one. Safe to say, we are also saying FLISP should be, we should be able to use FLISP using other community schemes, including what we call stock fair. In the next uh, slide, Chepexi, uh, we have sort of summarized the options which we are calling them non-mortgage. And I have elevated the ones which I think are on the employer-based schemes like your Jess and other employers, and also the installment sale, which we link them to the rent-to-own uh, agreements and also the ones which are supported by unsecured loans because uh, if you are able to get another form of a loan somewhere and be able to combine it, you should be able to get yourself a house. But what is also critical here is the fact that if all these other options are still not working, it means we have a bigger problem as South Africa given that our beneficiaries will require more in terms of being rehabilitated they will require other solutions in terms of being educated as borrowers or as consumers of the different uh, what's, uh, interventions that are provided. And also as government, maybe we need to change the approach and uh, deliver uh, sites and services such that the people whom we are saying need to be assisted uh, through the different government subsidies are able to construct houses on their own. Hence, you have that box that talks to the different reforms that we are also busy with as a department. In the next slide, Chairperson, I think the new FLISP does acknowledge the role that is played by our NIA, which is the National Implementing Agent. And our National Implementing Agent, it's the NHFC, which is our bank, Human Settlements Bank. Uh, but what we've allowed is a hybrid uh, implementation arrangement such that when everything that has been put in place works better, we should be able to implement uh, through the national implementing agent for all the provinces. Uh, currently, we do have a hybrid in terms of what is being done from Eastern Cape up to Western Cape in those provinces that have uh, what NHFC in its vicinity like 
everything. And there are provinces like uh, Limpopo where they are contracting other uh, what entities of the state like RISIMA to assist in terms of implementing FLISP. So these are the arrangements, but in the policy we've sort of allowed that hybrid. We are hoping over the years we will be able to reform it further given that we have begun a journey in terms of uh, digitalization and people should be able to access a fleece for subsidies uh, sitting wherever they will be seated. In the next slide, I think the Deputy Minister has already indicated to say our changes in terms of policy also include the changes in the subsidy um, uh, allocations. In terms of the fleece, I think because it's a what's a sliding scale, uh, that has about 92 categories. We do have category one, which is for those who are earning 3,500 up to 3,700. They do get a, a subsidy of up to 130,505. And uh, those who are on the um, what upper level, earning about 21,000 to 22,000, they do get a subsidy of up to 30,000 rent. But overall, as I'm saying, these are just incumbents and they run, you have level one up to step number 92. So it's a long table because FLIS is a, what a slide is offered in a form of a sliding scale. The other thing which we are putting on the table in terms of the funding arrangements or which we've done is that the fleece allocation will be given to the NHFC and also it should be divided into the capital and the operational funding such that NHFC is able to do uh, other additional work which will en enable the sector to be able to roll out the program in all the provinces. Uh, did, did you, can we, you have the responsibilities. we have the risk, thank you Chair. We have the responsibilities of the national department. I'm going to skip to safe to say we are having a responsibility in terms of managing the policy, developing the guidelines, and also monitoring the funding. There is a slide which also talks to digitalization, which shows what we are beginning to do in terms of the CRM system that is being implemented. Uh, I've already indicated that uh, we should be able to access a uh, fleece sitting from different corners uh, when the system is fully automated and linked uh, with um, our HSS. The last slide, Chairperson, I think it talks to the guidelines which we are saying we are developing. I'm not going to go into detail except to say uh, the guidelines, when they are finalized, we will be able to give you a step-by-step -step process which tells you uh, how you should go about in terms of the different options that have just uh, was presented in slide number eight and nine. Uh, Chairperson, I think I will stop there. This is just a presentation for the committee to note in the next slide, uh, the details of what we've provided or what has been approved as the revised list. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, DDG um, Chen. <coughs> Uh, morning, Chair. Good morning, colleagues. Uh, Honourable Members, uh, Deputy Minister, uh, Chair, just, uh, I'll just ask is Mr. Masimula, will you flight it or must I flight it? I'm just checking. Uh, I will. I will. I will, I will uh, okay. I will uh, thank you. Thank you.
Thank you, Chair. Chair, uh, basically, the presentation gives a overview of the alignment of the plans of the National Department of Human Settlements uh, into the district development model as uh, uh, proclaimed and uh, to be implemented with, 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 with the Department of uh, Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. Uh, what we give here is an overview with specific reference to the incorporation of the uh, Human Settlements Development Grant in this instance into the priority Human Settlements Development areas and, and ultimately into the, 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 the district development model. Uh, and I'm assuming, uh, Chair, that, 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 that members of the committee uh, uh, have been appraised of of the of the of the of the model uh, by Cocta. Uh, uh, so, in relation to 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 this, I think the the important part, uh, just in relation to the the introduction, is Chair. Uh, uh, honourable members will be aware that we have, as the National Department of Human Settlements, in terms of the Housing Development Act, we've declared 136 priority housing and human settlements development areas. In relation to, in relation to that, that specifically addresses the matters uh, related to spatial justice, spatial inefficiency, uh, or addressing spatial in, uh, or, or redressing spatial inefficiency, access to connectivity, access to adequate accommodation and, and provision of quality housing options. So, so, so the priority housing development areas is moving or uh, ensuring that provinces and municipalities uh, integrate and develop on well-located land, which then improves sustainability of households. Uh, and that's a process that, that, that we've commenced, hence the gazetting of that and making sure that all of our investment uh, is 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 in those priority housing development areas. Now, just to indicate the, the the priority housing development areas aligns to the NDP. That's the National Development Plan, the National Spatial Development Framework, the Integrated Urban Development Framework, the SPLUMA, and then obviously, of course, the DDM uh, one plan, one district, or one district, one plan. Next slide, please. Uh, This slide we've, we've seen, and, and, and as you can see that the Gazette uh, in relation to the priority development areas was issued on the 15th of May. So, so from, all of, from that period of time, we've been working with provinces, municipalities uh, to ensure that, that, that we are focused and concentrate and, 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 and ensure that the, the, the investments in, in, in from human settlements uh, as well as other departments are focused within priority housing development areas because this, uh, the priority housing development areas finds congruence with, with, with other areas uh, of, 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 of uh, sector department plans. Uh, uh, we have presented this. Thanks, Chair. Chair, this just gives, gives an indicate that, that, that the priority development areas in, in, in the various district and municipalities We've got 136 priority development areas, and those priority housing development areas fits into each of the district's metropolitan municipality and then local municipality. So, so, so 
So the priority housing development area is a sub plan of the de uh, district development model uh, to ensure that, that, that as housing and human settlements, we have this plan and then this plan gets uh, uh, put into the one uh, district, one uh, plan by COCTA and then there's a, an accountability and responsibility mechanism that's been determined there. Jay, we just give you an indication on this. Yeah, it's it's a it's a graphical uh, uh, illustration of what the HSDG business plan uh, uh, projects are within 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 the various uh, uh, priority housing development areas. And then on the right hand side of the slide, we just give an indication of one province in relation to 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 Gauteng of what the what the delivery is. Uh, and then you'll see that in the legend, we speak about uh, 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 informal settlements, priority, district boundaries, and provincial boundaries. So it gives you an indication that uh, we have a handle on what is occurring and where the investments in relation to uh, HSDG uh, and in, 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 in later iterations, the ISUPG, uh, as well as, as, as the USDG. Next slide. Uh, so, Chair, what, we, what we've done is in relation to... Uh, next slide, please, Paul. Uh, yeah, so in, in the Eastern Cape, uh, as I've indicated, we've got priority housing development areas, and we have, and we have then assessed the priority... Uh, the, house, uh, the human settlements development grant investment in each of the priority housing development areas in the Eastern Cape. So in, in Amatole, uh, for the last financial year, you will see that there was that there was uh, 600,000. For this financial year, it's 25. So you'll see, Chair, that based on directives issued uh, both by the department to be in conjunction with the minister, there's been a an improvement because we started off on a basically on a zero basis and we are we are we are we are on a gradual basis enforcing and ensuring that provinces together with districts and metropolitan municipalities ensure that investment takes place within those priority development areas and if it takes place within those priority development areas it will then take place within the district municipalities or the metropolitan municipalities the next slide, please, uh, Paul. But this slide, Chair, in relation to the Eastern Cape, uh, is then segments the total HSDG investment into each of the districts and metropolitan municipalities. So you'll see that in terms of our plans, in terms of our data and information, uh, we can say we know that there's 70 projects in uh, Alfred and Zor. The total allocation uh, uh, for Alfred and Zor is 215 million, and that constitutes 14% of the HSDG allocation to the Eastern Cape. Uh, Chair, uh, there are various iterations and 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 uh, permutations that we can we can we can take depending on, on what mem honourable members require or, or or in terms of information. So we can out of the 70 projects. We can indicate which program they are uh, in relation to I is it FLISP, uh, 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 rural housing, 
uh, IRDP. So we've got that information. And if that information is required, we can provide that. But what it does is that it then, uh, in many respects, allows for that process to, 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 to ensure that we are able to monitor, but also ensures that we, are, we have a handle, as I've indicated previously, on the, on the, on the one district, one metropolitan municipality plan. So you'll see, for example, the same occurs in, in, in the free state. Uh, next slide, uh, we can go through the next couple of slides. It's an illustration. So you'll see in each of the, so, so if you stop here, so in the city of uh, in Gauteng, uh, we, we, we can tell you that the number of projects uh, 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 in each of the, 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 the priority housing development areas. Uh, so you'll see, Chair, that, for example, even in the case of, of, of Gauteng, there's been a gradual shift because in our APP last year, we had a 30% minimum. This year, we've lifted it to 40% minimum. So each of the provinces are, must ensure that in their PH, H, PHSDAs, uh, PDAs, as we commonly refer to it, that there must be a minimum of 40% investment in that. So you'll see that, that, that in relation to this, Ultimately, the objective is to ensure that 100% of the HSDG goes into a priority housing development area, uh, and that priority housing development area will be in a district or in a, in a metropolitan municipality. The same thing with KZN. Uh, the one issue that we have addressed, and, and you will note that that, that the, the, the movement, particularly in relation to KZN, has not been as satisfactory as we want. Uh, but, they are, but the issue is that the Big Bang approach uh, in relation to this, so it's a gradual aspect because I think the reality is that people, people matter and we are dealing with people. So we cannot wholesalely uh, just stop investing in an area just because it's outside of a priority housing development area uh, but and 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 the consequence of that in terms of of of, of human development and and socioeconomic development is something that we 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 won't be able to justify. Uh, but the gradual process is to incorporate those areas into a priority housing development area. Uh, you can go down to the, uh, to the slides where we talk about the. So these are just all of the provinces. You'll see that in relation to that, uh, Northern Cape, uh, Northwest, uh, we provide that information. But as I've indicated, Chair, uh, uh, we can we can then indicate uh, what 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 the amounts are uh, per program, uh, and that information is available. The team has done that. Then the next couple of slides, Chair, gives us an. A, an indication of the work in progress with specific reference to the MIG, the Municipal Infrastructure Grant allocations in, in the priority development areas. Uh, so, so in relation to, 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 to these areas, you'll see that in the case of the Eastern Cape, the MIG budget into each of those priority housing development areas is, 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 is 17.8 billion. Now the, now, the point about this is that uh, we are moving and we are sort of ensuring that there's a coherence and there's a congruence of all of the sector grants uh, within a priority de development area, within a district, 
with respect to human settlements. So we're covering those points. So the, so the criticism that's been leveled against us around the fact that we are not providing for socioeconomic facilities, we're not providing for economic infrastructure and all of that, that's what we did. So if you go to the next slide, for example, Chair, uh, you'll see we've done an analysis uh, that indicates other grant allocations into the priority development areas. This is for the 21-22. We are waiting the approval of the, 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 the budgets, uh, particularly the municipal budget, which comes into effect on the 1st of July, 2022, and we'll update that. But, for, for, but this illustrates, for example, in relation to the various grants uh, applicable to housing and human settlements in terms of human development and, 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 and the projects that we do uh, are big, uh, we seek provincial roads, uh, INEP, health, education, early childhood development, and community library services. So these are, these are, these are the, 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 the projects, uh, these are the amounts, uh, and ultimately, uh, we will have to be able to find expression between all of that. So, 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 so the additional grants which we which we have and and are mapping is the USDG, ISUPG, as well as the 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 the, the HSDG. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so, in summary, the department is working with COCTA in the process of further segmenting and all relevant grant allocations per district and municipality with specific reference to ensure that we are crowding in and we are making sure that that investment uh, is, 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 is impact in terms of, 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 of development and, and ensuring that we have housing and human settlements. Chair, we must indicate that in relation to the district development model, COCTA is the, is the, is the responsible uh, and accountable uh, department to oversee and ensure enforcement of the district development model. And, and, and through that, through, the, through our minister or the respective ministers, uh, there are various directives issued. Uh, as, as I've indicated on point two in the previously, that ultimately what we want to be able to do is to ensure that in each and every case of a priority housing development area, all of the human settlements grant allocations finds uh, itself in that priority housing development area, and then by 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 deduction would find itself within a district development uh, one plan you know, within that district. Uh, Chair, uh, with the support of the HDA, uh, uh, we are conducting a detailed mapping exercise to assist with the monitoring and oversight together with our MNE unit in the department. Uh, Minister referred to the to the dashboard uh, to allow for 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 for, for our monitoring, uh, and that includes, as Minister indicated, the transformation targets in relation to women, uh, youth, uh, persons with disabilities, and military veterans. So 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 that's uh, so that's where we at at the moment. Uh, then, as I've indicated, chair the relevant. Uh, uh, allocations per program, per district, and per metropolitan municipality is available uh, to allow uh, honorable members uh, in terms of their constituency work to be able to determine which are the projects, uh, which, are the, uh, which are the amounts. Uh, and then in many respects also, we have, we have the details 
in relation to land released from public works and uh, infrastructure. So it's a, it's a comprehensive picture that we are able to provide. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, DPG um, Chen. DPG Hello, Chairperson. Yes. The last presentation, please. Uh, good morning, Chairperson. I, I, is that uh, the emergency housing uh, that you are, um, the presentation that you are looking for, uh, Chairperson? Yes. Can you please upload colleagues? Thank you very much. Um, this is Oleka Sokopo presenting uh, the progress that has been made. Uh, with regard to the responses to human to to the disaster that has happened in April, there are four areas. Uh, is the um, just the overview, the implications, and what are the key interventions? Um, um, let's move to the next slide. Uh, we um, the purpose is to indicate what has been uh, requested by the portfolio committee. The overview of the of the of the situation. Uh, we are not only presenting the Guadalupe, but there is, as you know, there's uh, some disaster that had happened also extended to the Eastern Cape, and there is a community in the northwest that has also been affected. Uh, we are also presenting what has been done. Also, we want to highlight that. The most um, affected communities are those that are living or residing in, in informal settlements, as well as the mud houses. Those are the most uh, 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 affected communities. Reconstruction and the redevelopment has begun, but uh, in all the three provinces, but has not yet been concluded. And there are still communities that have not yet been touched, Chepesin. Uh, Next slide. What are the key interventions? The, there are six interventions uh, that uh, have been adopted. One is the provision of the temporary residential unit. That's the... I'm not sure whether it's uh, my connection, but I've lost the DTG. First intervention. The second is the emission system. And also there's yeah, also... According to all of us. Uh, we also have a uh, struggle. Uh, sorry, DTG. Yes. We, we had yes, lost uh, you. Uh, go, uh, start from the intervention. Okay. Uh, I, I Yes, I will start from the intervention. I'm saying, uh, uh, Chairperson, there are six interventions uh, that we have. Uh, the, the first intervention is the provision of the temporary residential unit. Uh, at, uh, so the, the, in, in that regard, uh, the manufacturers of these uh, units have been requested to increase their capacity, particularly in KZN, because there's the largest number of, um, of, uh, of uh, requirements uh, is in KZN, as well as also in the, in the Eastern Cape. And we, the second intervention is the provision of building material through the voucher system. Uh, that is also being uh, going to be utilized in, 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 the, in KwaZulu-Natal. 
There's also the issues around the land, the the, the uh, because we need to relocate in most cases, especially in Wazulu Natal, we need to relocate some communities. But we do have um, a, a, a other government departments as part of the DDM process that have offered pieces of land like public works. But we also have struggles when it comes to the land that has been identified, that there are communities that are also rejecting the, um, the re- or establishment of a, a temporary residential areas in their environment. So those are some of the issues that we're struggling with. The, the next intervention is making sure that, that there's technical capacity, particularly in KZN. There are, we lost her again. No, I, uh, okay. Uh, I am still lost. Uh, no, no, we can hear you. We can yes. hear you. Yes. Probably to your network. Yeah, the, the, then the provision of technical capacity, particularly in KZN, KZN requested that we have engineers uh, that, can, that can be sent to, 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 to them as well as uh, town and regional planners. There are provinces such as um, um, uh, Free State that have also offered capacity, but then uh, there was a call that, uh, that has been put out there by the, by the province to request uh, everyone uh, that can assist in terms of the technical capacity to come and assist. Then the next uh, uh, intervention is about the replacement of mud houses. Uh, as I have indicated, the majority of communities that are affected are those that are in mud houses. And uh, KZN has already had a program called um, the, the, the Rural Housing Program, uh, which is already in the code. And they, they have been requested to intensify this, uh, this program to ensure then that uh, the people that live in mud houses, uh, they, they, those, uh, that program is, is actually implemented. Uh, same as the Eastern Cape, because uh, the, the areas that are affected are mainly um, the rural areas and mainly mud houses that they should be replaced. So only those uh, uh, people in the rural, rural areas whose mud houses have completely collapsed will be given TRUs, but the rest, they will be replaced. But also TRUs, as you know, Chairperson, is temporal structure for them to live in the meantime that the mud house is being built, rebuilt. The last uh, intervention, Chairperson, is funding reprioritization. As you know, that there's no new money in human settlements. So we reprioritize the grants that we currently have, like your human settlements development grant. This is just an example that you have given that uh, the allocation for KZN was 2.9 billion that has been reprioritized. They have also have ISOP, which is the Informal Settlements uh, Upgrading Partnership Grant, uh, 756 million that has been allocated. So they have been given an advance to reprioritize the areas that needs to be uh, reprioritized. And the same as the metro, this metro is basically just a taking, just an example, uh, Chairperson. The same has been requested uh, in terms of the Eastern Cape. There is also the emergency housing grant that also takes its own process in terms of uh, submission of application, verification, and all that. So while they are waiting for the emergency housing grant approval, then they were requested then to utilize the ISOP as well as the HSDG to, to um, expedite the interventions. Already, uh, uh, by last month, 992 million was already transferred to KZN and 115 was also transferred to Eastern Cape. In terms of the Northwest, they requested a small amount that they already have in their coffers in terms of the 
uh, HSDG, they, uh, we did write and give them permission to utilize the HSDG for intervention purposes. So that's the, that's the, that's the, uh, those are the six intervention chairperson. And the next uh, uh, um, uh, uh, slide, uh, Paul, is just talking about now the impact of, uh, of, the, uh, of this approach that we have adopted that uh, because HSDG is going to be utilized as well as the ISOP, which you know that is for informal settlement upgrading chairperson, uh, the, the targets have to be it will be affected uh, uh, and it has to uh, uh, both in the MTSF and the APP. And therefore um, we we don't know exactly how by how much the our targets will be revised, but we just want to let uh, you know that then we'll have to have to this would have a negative impact on the on the targets that we already have uh, in both the MTSF and the APP. Thank you very much. The other part, Chairperson, uh, that I would like to highlight is that there has been a lot of outcry. Next slide, Bob. There has been a lot of outcry with regard to the provision of emergency housing uh, units. People putting up pictures and say, does this uh, amount only pay for this thing, uh, blah, 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 blah. So this is just uh, what is in the subsidy quantum. There is uh, there is indirect costs. Uh, those are the areas that we are paying for in terms of the indirect costs when it comes to the TRUs. It's not a question of just taking that um, TRUs and just putting it out there. There are certain things that need to be done before that TRU uh, can be replaced so that the people don't get affected again. And as also know, uh, Chairperson, that in some cases, uh, the communities also refuse to move as uh, I and also, or the receiving community or neighboring community when it comes to now relocation, relocating, they're also um, having some opposition. The next slide, Paul. Uh, this is also the, the, the continuation of the indirect costs. Uh, with regard to the emergency uh, uh, housing assistance, which uh, from that uh, total amount, it amounts to 2006. Next slide. Then it comes to when then you have to establish a TRA, which is now a, a, a temporary residential area. Uh, this is the amount because you need to provide uh, sanitation facilities, roads, stormwater drainage, uh, water uh, to those communities. That is the amount that is being used around 6,655. That is going to be used just to provide the, the temporal information. This um, this is not applicable to all as, as, you, as I have indicated. KZN, they have to relocate people and put them in these areas. But in the case of Eastern Cape, because it's villages, uh, the uh, the amount uh, that amount that I've highlighted might not necessarily be spent on uh, uh, preparation in terms of ensuring that then you have all those facilities. Then the next one also it now talks about now the actual TRU um, that the, the slide that you have seen. Uh, so in total, the amount that is spent that will be that is expected to be spent is seventy five thousand three hundred and fifteen. But uh, in terms of the of the structure itself, it's sixty eight thousand six hundred and sixty chairperson. Uh, the 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 next slide is just unpacking uh, chairperson. As I said, uh, the the houses that are completely collapsed, uh, uh, they would have to be redeveloped in terms of the norms and standards. And uh, one hundred and forty thousand has been set aside to ensure then that we rectify those mud houses uh, chairperson. 
Then the next slide, uh, uh, it goes into now the details around uh, each and every province. Because of time constraints, Chairperson, I'm going to skip a lot of this slide. It's just to provide you the detailed information. But all in all, for now, what we have is um, 8,310 partially destroyed um, houses, 4,478 uh, of um, homeless uh, 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 communities, as well as uh, for, oh, just over 14,000 of communities that have been affected. And the financial implication next night of all of that, Chairperson. Uh, uh, and I will skip the rest of the slide because it just gives you the ward, the district of the communities that have been affected. We will skip all of that and go to the slide that deals with now slide 32 about uh, what has been implemented, uh, how or how implementation has been done uh, in, in KZN. Uh, they have submitted, uh, the, 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 they are still packaging and we as the Department of Human Settlements are assisting them to package the emergency housing grant uh, application. And uh, so we, um, the, uh, last week, we were expecting that to finalize, that is the slide, to finalize that. And also in terms of reprioritization of funds, I've already mentioned that. And then also this assessment of various uh, partially destroyed uh, uh, houses is still ongoing um, and, uh, and it has not 100% been concluded, but it was started as early as the 21st of April. So almost immediately um, uh, after the, 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 the sites can be, uh, can, be, can be accessible. Then the voucher system, uh, Chairperson, uh, the procurement of service providers in, term, in terms of KZN was finalized last week. So this week we are expecting then that uh, the program will be starting to be rolled out and the construction of TRA commenced on the 22nd of April, not yet finalized, but uh, it's an ongoing process, uh, Chairperson. The, how it is uh, these programs in KZN are being implemented, there's a joint coordinating committee, which is consists of all three spheres of government that meets every Monday to review the program, as well as what has been done and what needs to be done, and also how to unblock whatever blockages that are there. The Housing Development Agency, the HDA, is acting as the secretariat of the, of the joint the coordinating committee, and they are working based on the three work streams, the housing and land uh, work stream, infrastructure and services work stream, and governance work stream, uh, Chairperson. Uh, so there are various phases, uh, next slide, that are being uh, constructed. I'm not going to go through that, but also just to highlight that the three, that, that also the government, our entities, NHFC, NHBRC, as, as well as the HDA, as, as I have mentioned, they are also taking part in redevelopment and re, uh, uh, of all the damaged areas in KZN. So let's move now to, to the next one, uh, um, to, to, to Eastern Cape. Uh, just maybe before we go to the Eastern Cape, just to show the pictures of the preparation. Next slide, uh, Paul. Next slide. Next slide. Yes, just to show you how the, the slab is prepared for temporary residential unit. Uh, it's not a question of just putting it in a raw land. Uh, there is a process where this is prepared. Next slide shows you uh, the process and how then it looks like. It almost looks like a, a normal house when uh, um, um, the way that it, it is constructed. 
Then the let's go now to Eastern Cape. Eastern Cape, uh, there are five uh, districts that are affected: uh, Afranzo or Atambo, Jokabi, Amatole, as well as Krisani. The damage is not as severe as in KZN. We have 3,846 communities that have been affected, as well as also we do have uh, partially destroyed, as well as the households uh, that are completely homeless, where we are now providing uh, the temporary residential units. I'm also going to uh, skip a lot of that because um, it provides uh, the detail by what of what has happened and which also areas that are that are affected in each one of, of, of those areas. How is implementation happening in the Eastern Cape? Um, the, the National Department already, as I indicated, 115 million has also been transferred uh, to assist with the response to the disasters. A contractor has been uh, uh, um, uh, appointed to erect to start with the erection of the of the TRUs in Afrenzo and Oartambo. Thus far, this uh, this is what has been done. Uh, we we the the the. The, the implementation is a little bit slow. As a result, then we requested that then uh, HDA be appointed, and HDA is now has been appointed to also assist with the uh, with the construction of the of the TRUs, the, re the remainder of the TRUs, and at OR Tambo, Krisani, Jokabi, as well as also Ematole. So the HDA is also conducting site inspection, especially, especially when it comes to partially damaged mud houses, so that we know basically it's not necessary to repair those mud houses, but to have a record of which mud houses are partially damaged, so that then we can also be able to release that 140 per household uh, for the replacement of the of the mud house into a formal structure in terms of this uh, uh, sense 10 400 um the next uh, um, uh, uh, issue that we are uh, dealing with chaperson uh, in terms of the eastern cape we have a lot of beneficiaries that also um do not have identity documents so we are engaging now with the department of home affairs to ensure them that uh, 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 the they have replacement IDs. In terms of the Northwest, there was also only the community of Dilpan um, that were that were uh, affected, and uh, a few villages al, 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 uh, within the Zwaing local municipality. Two hundred and fifty households, uh, homeless households, have been uh, affected, as I indicated. Um, the 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 the, the Grant that they are utilizing the HS digit, HS digit grant that we have already uh, given them permission to do for the provision of TRUs for to destitute communities, and I'm sure you've seen uh, Chaperson um, the reports uh, in the newspapers that the land that those people uh, have occupied is a wetland. So uh, the the land has been secured from Ichif. Uh, for relocation of those people, and that's where the these uh, TROs will be um, will be will be um, um, uh, 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 um, constructed. The 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 amount that has been requested by the province is about uh, uh, just uh, just under fifty five million, uh, which we have uh, given them permission to do, and the process is underway. And uh, Chairperson to start with the reconstruction um, as and and the reassessment of the land that has been um, uh, given by the tribal authority for the relocation of people 
And there's also, as you know, that uh, a lot of negotiation that is required in terms of uh, the relocation of those people, because sometimes they are also refusing to uh, to relocate, despite the fact that they are not um, located in the right area. So uh, uh, last week, the trying local municipality was uh, sub to submit the list of beneficiaries to the department and also then the briefing of the service provider by the department. That is the process now that they are undertaking in terms of the provision of, of TRUs is underway. And uh, it is expected that uh, all of that will be expected, uh, will be completed by the end of, the, of, the, of this month. Uh, Chairperson, thank you very much. I would uh, uh, request the, the committee, Chairperson, to please note the progress that has been made in terms of the interventions that have been uh, that uh, that are made uh, to alleviate the, the pressures and the and the and the situation that the communities in these very uh, three provinces find themselves. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. Before we we give it to DM to close. Uh, acting DGG, all this presentation that you presented is emergency, but they are not time frame. What you are presenting doesn't show the time frame. By this time, we'll have done this. By this time, we'd have been done this. What are you saying about that? Uh, and then I'll give it to the GM to close. And uh, then we'll allow members to interact. Yes, Chairperson. Uh, for for Northwest, uh, the time frame is that uh, uh, completion by thirtieth of May, twenty twenty two. That is that is the that is the that is the time frame for 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 for, for Northwest because uh, they they have a small smaller numbers. In terms of the of the Eastern Cape, uh, Chairperson, we you are correct about the the timeframes uh, that we need to ensure that we provide them. But KZN does have uh, timeframes, uh, Chairperson. I think we will provide them with you because the 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 JOC do have a a, a timetable that they are utilizing uh, to uh, to to that is guiding them in terms of the timeframes. So uh, if it's uh, I. Uh, it's it's a mistake that those are not provided in the in this presentation, but they are timeframes for KZN. The only province currently that do not have timeframes is the Eastern Cape. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank thank you, Acting uh, DG. In the meantime, you must look for those timeframes. Uh, DM, as members are going to ask questions, when you want to need response, we need all those timeframes. DM. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Chair. Chair, uh, I think uh, uh, I just want to correct. I think uh, Dr. Sokopo, when we are presenting, you've made a mistake of saying there will be um, a, re a replacement of the mud houses. Uh, what we're looking at, we can't replace um, replacement, or I don't know how you put it, but it's like you are saying. We will only be uh, uh, setting up the, the, the mud houses again. Chair, there is a big problem around mud houses. Um, like the numbers of, of mud houses, even in the Eastern Cape, we, we're still grappling to know the numbers. And definitely, when you have a mud house, you, you, have, you must demolish it. 
because a madhouse it's it's a poverty um, stricken um, way of, of 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 a home, which in the democratic um, uh, uh, we can't still speak of of madhouses. And in the Eastern Cape, I know that there were there were questions that were saying at, at some stage, how many do we have? In, in, in mud houses in the Eastern Cape and KZN. <coughs> it's more organized. I think in numbers, yes, it might be very difficult to know because after more especially after the disaster. But the, the other thing that I want to also highlight on is the issue of the TRUs. If you notice the amount of TRU, which is very, very expensive, it's, it's 68,000 TRU. Which I think whether uh, Dr. Sokopo could could actually my experience of 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 TRUs, which I always fight with in the the constructors because I I like to visit. After you you, you tell me that you put um, a TRU, I always go and check the kind of TRU that you put. And some of them are very, and most of people they will say I I leave this. I rather stay with 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 relatives. Because there's no electricity, there's nothing. So I just want to check whether the electricity is included. Just, just for Dr. Sokopo, when you answer questions, please make sure that what is in the TRU? Is it just the TRU? I know that it has got windows and a door, but what is important so that a person can be able to cook and, and also give that information of whether the TRUs also include um, and, and electricity, of which I know electricity after the disaster, we've got a problem also of ESCOM in terms of connecting. But in a normal situation in the Eastern Cape, I saw TRUs which are, don't have anything. You put a TRU and you leave. And and and, and most of, of, of beneficiaries, they leave that TRU and go and, and stay with, 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 with relatives, which for me is just a waste of money that people at the end don't stay in those TRUs. So, so what, some of the issues raised, uh, I, I do understand, uh, Chair, when you talk about the, the, the timeframes, we must push as a department and, and, and push the, because this is at, at the level of municipalities, most of, this, of, of, of the information, push the municipalities I put pressure on them, especially in the Eastern Cape. I have roadshows that I, I'm, 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 I'm actually, I've started um, roadshows of all the mayors to say, when are you finishing? The information, how many, um, they want to be pushed, how many um, 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 uh, beneficiaries, uh, how many families that are affected, and all that stuff. And you are right by saying we need to come up with time frames, which all of us as, as national depend on the municipalities, which we are pushing. I think we will be keep on informing the the the, the, the members of parliament in terms of 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 of, of, of time frames chair. Um, and I think it disaster needs all hands, all of us. That is the, the three years of government. And 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 yes, chair. Let me let me stop there, so that we we allow members to ask questions. Then 
who will then be able to answer those questions. Thank you, Chair, for giving me this time. <clears throat> Thank you, DM and the team members. That was the presentation. Um, let me note hands that wants to speak. Um, and please, members, let's let's remember that we are 10 in the portfolio committee. So uh, even if um, I don't want to put time frame for members, but let's take cognizance that we other members wants to speak and we must get responses as we speak. Thank you. Let me <coughs> get uh, um, hands. One, Honorable uh, Powell. Uh, Honorable Masuta, Honorable Heron, Honorable Tafeni, uh, Honorable Shelly Mukotu, Honorable Nensisishwai. <laughs> In that order, Honorable Members, um, please take cognizance of the hands that are on, on behind you. Honorable Power. Thanks, Chair. Um, luckily, we've got about two and a half hours, so um, we're not too rushed for time, which is good. My interest, I've got one question for Mr. Cheney on the DDM, but my interest lies in KZN. I'm from KZN, um, and I love that province very deeply, and I was there last week, and the situation on the ground is absolutely dreadful. Um, I was in Etiquini, I went to some of the informal settlements in Lacey Road in Sydenham, and the state of those informal settlements was, it was awful, Chair. The people are still sleeping on wet mattresses that they've covered with um, rubbish bags. I went into flats where the kids are starting to get bronchial disorders because the, of the mold and the mildew from all the water and the humidity and sandbagging has been done. A lot of the, um, the waterways have overflown and so the mud has gone into people's informal settlements. So what was, say, for example, a two and a half meter shack before um, is now sort of a one and a half meter. So you've kind of got to crawl in. And I haven't done any media on it and I haven't attacked anybody on it because I've been trying to get information because I think that this is a time that we need to be working together. But what my colleagues in Etiquini and, and province, my, my colleagues from the provincial legislature, as well as the people on the ground that I spoke to, people without political affiliation that we spoke to, we didn't go in blue t-shirts. We went, I went as an MP with without representing my party. And everybody just said, number one, there is no coordinated response. There's no war room. There is nobody has come to see those communities. The councillors have just been lumped with the disaster and they have just, there is no information coming through to the councillors. You saw one of the members of EXCO yesterday released a media statement to say that EXCO, Etiquini's EXCO, and I know that this is not a DHS problem, but I'm just sketching what's going on on the ground because I, I was physically there. Exco hasn't met since the 26th of April. They should be having a morning war room every 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 morning at seven o'clock, like the city of Cape Town did during the drought crisis, where we met with the mayor and all of the senior officials at 7 a.m. every morning. For 18 months, we did that. 
there's no, Exco's not even meeting. Um, nobody can seem to tell us what is happening. We went to Yellowwood Park, which is near the bluff. Um, and I went and visited a hall of 160 people that had been bussed in from Umlazi. Um, and the tragedy in Umlazi is unprecedented. I know that um, the divers, when we were at Virginia, the divers are still helicoptering to the Umlazi River to look for bodies because of how many bodies were washed away. So this community of 160 people bussed into Yellowwood Park, which is a middle-class community, and essentially nobody, the ward councillor's name is Gavin. Gavin says nobody from Etiquini, the Umlazi ward councillor, nobody from province from DHS has come. DSD, the Department of Social Development, have not stopped the feeding program, right? So there's 160 people who have nothing. They lost everything. The local communities donated mattresses, beds, whatever. Durbanites are incredible in terms of their generosity and the gift of the givers, etc. They've come. So people have got mattresses, pillows, blankets. Um, the DSD have stopped the feeding program. This situation, Chairperson, is replicated across Etiquini, and it is because of a lack of leadership. Now, I'm not laying the blame at the door of the National Department of Human Settlements. This is something that the local municipality needs to be dealing with, but we need a coordinated response. So my first question, after my soliloquy, my first question, Chair, and it it it, it is, what assistance, what real-time assistance is DHS providing in terms of a coordinated response? Are they, how often are they meeting? Are they meeting with officials from Etiquini, from province? What's going on in terms of coordinating the response? Because Gavin will tell you in Yellowwood Park, nobody is telling him where these 160 people are going. Nobody's telling them where they're going. And the situation is replicated. We're going to see a repeat of the July riots if, if, if somebody doesn't start communicating in, a, in, a, in an organized approach. So what assistance is DHS providing? I just want to go to the presentation on my laptop here. Okay, um, I'm just going to read a list of questions. Sorry, quickly. I don't want to take up too much time. Okay, these are questions that have come through from my colleagues at the province. They've asked me to ask you guys today. What will the estimated date of the reimbursement to KZN for money spent on disasters be? There is a provincial emergency housing grant and a municipal emergency housing grant. If the municipal grant is paid directly to municipalities, who will have oversight of the spend? <laughs> You'll recall in the minister's rebuttal yesterday where she, um, in her response to me specifically, uh, after she had asked which RET colleagues I'd had coffee with, she had said that there was no money going from DHS to Etiquini. But I note on page six of the slide that it says the emergency housing grant, the PEHG 326 and the MEHG 175 million. To my mind, that means that the municipal emergency housing grant is being paid to Etiquini. Can someone please confirm how much money is going to the provincial department and how much money is going to the emergency, uh, the, the municipality in terms of the emergency grant. Then um, a question that I think our committee, this is Semenya, Honorable Semenya, this is for you. I think a question that our committee need to answer and to discuss is how human settlements 
as the big budget department for this, how we are going to fit into the ad hoc committee in parliament, because we know that that ad hoc committee still hasn't been set up. Um, my party leader actually released a media statement about that this morning. Um, and then people whose RDP, I've been getting a lot of um, emails from private sector residents to say that because of the lack of, of infrastructure in Etiquini, um and the lack of maintenance that's gone into the infrastructure, their properties have been destroyed. Is the Department of Human Settlements going to be providing any form of grant or assistance for private sector homeowners whose houses have been destroyed as a result of a lack of municipal infrastructure, or is that something that Etiquini must deal with? Um, and then on the twenty second of uh, on the twentieth of April, the national minister announced that 143 million rand was going to be allocated to 8,000 rand vouchers. But we are getting, all of us as public reps, emails and phone calls and SMSs, people saying, where can I get my voucher? Because the minister announced this on Twitter, 143 million rand for 8,000 rand vouchers. Um, then I'm deeply concerned about the contracts. I don't know if any of you read Des Erasmus's story in the Daily Maverick last week. He speaks about these so-called business forums who are now champing at the bit for these tenders and these contracts. Uh, we, we heard about the Eastern Cape, that the HDA is managing the process of TRU contracts. Who is managing the process of the award of TRU contracts? Is it Etiquini? And is it with money from province? Is it with money? We have asked already about the money. Um, then provinces were re requested to reprioritize. Can we get information about the impact of the reprioritizations, which specific already budgeted for housing projects that money is coming away from those and being redirected to this? Um, three more questions, Chair, sorry. Um, I've been speaking for eight minutes. Um, money coming from entities, that's not detailed in this presentation. Um, we know money is coming from CSOS and a couple of other entities. This presentation, by the way, is very confusing because it has mixed Eastern Cape response with KZN response. Um, I'd really like it, Chair, if we could get one response for KZN, one response for the Eastern Cape. This presentation is, in my view, not sufficient. Well, how much money is coming from entities? It's not detailed here. Um, and then I just want to go down. There are pages. We've got the cost here, 68 thousand rand plus the other costs it comes to 75,000 rand per unit is it not possible given the scale of the disaster 11,000 structures is it not possible that we can just be providing in the interim for people who are homeless what we in Cape Town used to call starter kits um, after disastrous management goes in and clears the people can at least rebuild where they had their home with a starter kit, would that not be more pragmatic while these TRUs, wet calls, bulk infrastructure, et cetera? Otherwise, we're going to have people sleeping in halls for up to a year, which is a security risk, uh, and it's 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 deeply inhumane. Um, and then these slides, um, so I'm just looking, slides 40, okay, slide 16 down, down to slide 20, 30, in Etiquini, for example, on slide 30, you detail North region, West region, various wards, number of affected households, totally destroyed, partially destroyed. I I went to areas that where people told me no one's been there. So I don't know where, where these numbers are coming from. Can we get clarity on where these numbers have come from? What actual site assessments have been done? 
And then my last question for now, I will have follow-up questions once I receive responses, Chairperson. But my last question for now is a lot of the informal settlements that have been affected, nobody's actually come in to clear the land. So with digger loaders and cranes and the likes, no one's come in to clear. Is the Department of Human Settlements assisting, can some of the funds be used for that purpose? The bottom line here is I don't want to direct my attack at DHS. I don't think anybody at the National Department deserves to be the recipient of a, an attack in a portfolio committee. But I, I do need to convey, having been on the ground, no one is coordinating a response to this crisis on the ground and nobody is communicating. And it we are going to see a repeat of the riots. So I'd just like to hear the DDG's response to that and how we as a committee can help, how DHS can help. Um, and I will I will have further follow-ups. Thanks, Thank Chairman. you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Member. Honorable uh, Masuta, I've seen we've uh, lost you and you come back in. I'm not sure whether you are back. Honorable Masuta. It's gone. Honorable Harold. Harold, sorry. Honorable Harold. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can. You can, sir. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, and thank you for the three presentations. I'd like to ask uh, some questions. Chair, oh, I keep on losing connectivity. I thought I was next. Sorry. No, we, we have jumped you because you're not responding. You'll follow Honorable Heron. Just to indicate that I've sent a message to say my connectivity is doing the on and offs again this morning. So it's not because um, I'm not, uh, but anyway. Okay. Let's no, no, let's give, let's give uh, Honorable Heron, you'll come after, after him. Thank you, Chair. I won't be long. I, I, I want to start with the um, the presentation on the um, district model and the commitment to spatial transformation. Um, and um, can we get an indication the priority development areas that have been identified, the 136, whether these are generally on the on the urban edge or part of the urban core in the towns and cities where they've been identified? Because if they're on the urban edge, then they certainly cannot be regarded as addressing spatial transformation. Um, that's my first question. The second one is, um, how are we going to make sure that this, these developments actually happen? Um, we've had priority development projects being identified before, and almost none of them have happened as was planned. Um, they may not have been as part of the district model, but um, we had the... Um, the priority areas that were identified as part of the, the COVID-19 response um, to de-densify informal settlements and relocate them. Almost none of those have happened. And we've had um, projects called catalytic projects, which have not been implemented. So how are we going to make sure that these actually happen? Um, with regards to the allocation of HSDG and the comment that um, in the previous financial year, there was a, a request that 30% was allocated to the priority development areas. I noticed that in the presentation, Chuane spent 1 million rand in that financial year and Etiquini zero. So I'm, I, I'm, I don't know if I maybe misunderstood the slide with the, with the actual rand values uh, for the previous financial year, but that certainly couldn't have been 30% of the spend. Um, there was a, a slide on the um, on the 
the, the MIG slide, um, where there was um, commitment to making sure that we were developing fully integrated and comprehensive socioeconomic communities with services and amenities. Um, and this is about the conglomeration or the accumulation of different grants being spent in these priority development areas. And I'm wondering what happened to the built environment performance plan that, um, that certainly the metropolitans had to prepare annually, um, which had as its almost sole purpose to make sure that we were aligning spending between the three spheres of government and all the state-owned entities in a spatial way so that we could achieve the, um, the outcomes that that MIG slide um, communicated. So is the built environment performance plan no longer part of the requirements for metropolitan um, municipalities to receive grant funding? It was always a prerequisite, and uh, part of the prerequisite was that there was um, an, an alignment of spending spatially to achieve the same outcomes. If I may just jump to the the response to the disaster, the flooding disaster. Um, with regards to the the TRUs and the and the, the planning there, um, are we able to indicate how long we expect residents to live in the TRUs? Um, I think I've raised in this committee before that um, after the fires in Neisner, TRUs were built for communities, and after they were built and people were relocated into one-roomed structures, they've been informed that that's now their permanent or their official um, uh, uh, housing um, subsidy beneficiary. So they are, they've now transferred these TRUs from being TRUs into the permanent structure, which is not. Um, in alignment with the housing code as far as I can tell. So is there is a plan that these TRUs that are going to be developed, um, that they are going to be the so-called permanent or final offer or um, housing uh, beneficiary or for, for those residents? And then with regards to the repair of the mud houses and the houses that were lost um, and the commitment to replacing these with at least 40 square meter houses, are we saying that we're replacing those houses that were completely destroyed in the mud houses with a BNG product? And um, are the BNG um, qualifying criteria going to apply, or are we going to um, provide those houses regardless of whether the um, the residents qualify in terms of the BNG requirements? Uh, thanks, Chair. Thank you, um, um, Honorable Heron. Honorable Masuta. No, thank you, Chair. Uh, I hope I don't get interrupted by the network again um, as I'm speaking. Um, <clears throat> the first point really relates partially to an aspect covered by Honorable Harun relating to what is being referred to as special transformation, which from a constitutional perspective, I would say uh, the language I'd prefer to use is special uh, equality versus inequality, especially focusing on the rural urban divide. Um, <clears throat> now, a few points arise out of that. Uh, firstly, is the whole question of allocation of resources between rural and urban. Um, uh, the very fact that government went so far as to establish a dedicated department on rural development was in recognition of this inequality, I believe. 
And there has to be a clear, dedicated, uh, deliberate policy drive to actually, uh, and as part of a whole collective initiatives across different line functions to really tackle this issue. One of the specific issues that arise, there is a question of uh, special planning and development. Uh, you'd find that in many rural areas, people built state-of-the-art houses uh, with their meager resources, but in locations which are not um, subject to any form of uh, town planning, uh, issues of infrastructure, including bulk infrastructure, roads, etc., that is, uh, you find that a house is right in the middle where a, a road was supposed to be, and issues of accessibility and just general development uh, of rural areas. I mean, rural communities have reached a point where they are not going to wait for uh, the rollout of uh, you know, programs around town planning and getting some level of organization um, in the way in which uh, a special, um, uh, you know, um, uh, management of, of land uh, in rural areas uh, is being managed, especially given the challenge where you have co-governance between the municipalities and uh, traditional authorities. Um, so with all those complexities, uh, I'm not sure how human settlements approach becomes, because I heard in the presentation earlier, uh, where the issue of allocation of, for example, of the 30% set aside towards bulk infrastructure support to municipalities, um, uh, I'm not sure to what extent that principle gets to be applied when programs like FLIPS uh, are extended to rural communities and other social housing uh, and other uh, housing programs are extended to rural communities. Uh, if, if and, and God knows to what extent, um, budget allocation prioritizes uh, rural development uh, as a focus area uh, in its own right. There's also still dealing with rural communities, the issue of um, land tenure, which I don't know to what extent it's been or has not been resolved, especially again, when you talk about areas where both municipalities and traditional authorities, um, you know, co-govern. Uh, given the fact that, um, for example, the system in most traditional authority areas of land tenure is a communal system. Uh, and uh, my understanding is that generally fi financiers and other formal uh, programs that support uh, human settlements uh, are likely to be reluctant to invest in areas where no title deeds apply, where you have a communal system. How do you deal with ensuring that rural communities who have taken upon themselves to build for themselves some of the um, uh, enviable quality housing that uh, you don't even compare with what you get in peri-urban and uh, urban areas. Um, so, so you do have that issue, that conundrum, 
that at some point, I think we need to have a dedicated and a focused debate on um, under the heading, yeah, uh, a broader heading of rural development and, and, and as it relates to special uh, equality versus inequality. Uh, there was mentioned, for example, that um, in rural areas because of their nature, uh, some of the infrastructure is not applicable, um, such as, uh, you know, is it water drainage systems and things like that. But um, the debate around communities refusing to move out of some of the areas that are prone to floods and uh, disasters is partly because the complaint is that there hasn't been enough investment in this type of infrastructure, which had that happened, um, some of these disasters would not have been uh, as disastrous. Um, you find that um, developed communities, if you like, in some of these areas which are prone to floods, because they have this kind of infrastructure, uh, experience less uh, harm uh, to their properties and to their lives, simply because um, there is a proper, well-developed uh, uh, infrastructure that uh, mitigate against risk of um, uh, this kind of disaster. So it again goes back to the question of special in, uh, inequality versus special uh, uh, equality, which at an opportune time, I think we need to have, because it's a constitutional question, uh, we have to, to reflect on and see, you know, whether we have a short, medium and long-term plan that is integrated um, across government uh, in response, which include issues of allocation of land, uh, and 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 related uh, issues that I've already touched on. Lastly, chair, on the issue of developing a an integrated information system, I see the um, towards the end there the um, chat or whatever you call it that uh, identifies the different components. Um, I think it's under fl uh, FLISP, uh, if if I'm not mistaken. The question that arises for me is I don't see SARS being mentioned there. I don't see social development uh, or SASA, uh, uh, you know, uh, system being mentioned there. Um, and I'm raising this because the context was the question of uh, double dipping. Now, one way of addressing issues of double dipping is to have as much integration of government information systems as possible. So that, um, because I see the DITS office is there uh, and a few other relevant, uh, uh, you know, information systems, uh, the whole idea, as I understand it, is to be able to firstly target correctly in terms of deserving beneficiaries, in terms of incomes and declared or undeclared on the one hand, and being able to have an integrated government response to socioeconomic uh, and, uh, rights and, and other issues. So that, for example, people 
um, may have uh, detailed information about the, their incomes uh, in the SARS system. Uh, Social Development, SASA uses a means test system, uh, which also taps into other systems of tracking people's incomes. And this is a social program. Well, some of your programs are social programs in their nature and therefore have similar objective of targeting the poor. Um, and if this system is not tapping into already available data there, isn't it disadvantaging itself unnecessarily by not uh, integrating uh, access to those databases into that uh, chat as well? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Masuta, Honorable Tafeni. Uh, thank you, Chairperson, uh, team's members. Uh, Chairperson, I want to say that the department can be asked to provide an update in relation to com commitment made to disaster relief efforts in KwaZulu-Natal, including the 30 million rands contribution by CISO's Subject, subject to approved approval by the National Treasurer. And also the department can be asked about the challenges experienced in the rollout of these subsidies. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chairperson. Why is the MIG budget in Gauteng lower than that of Limpopo province and Mpumalang? Yet we know that there is a huge backlog of housing in Gauteng. It has been mentioned that uh, in KwaZulu-Natal, land has been identified for building alternative houses for the people that have been affected by floods, but more land is still required. My question is, why is it difficult for the department to acquire more suitable land to build houses for the people of KwaZulu-Natal? Uh, another question is, uh, in Northwest, we've been, we've, we've been told that about 250 people who are staying around Duayin have been affected by floods. And it is also mentioned that it is only a small number. So what I don't understand, what does that statement mean uh, when um, the DDG said, only a small number of people have been affected. Is that reason enough why the construction of TRUs have not yet started uh, in Northwest? What I would like to know again is that when is the process of building TRUs uh, for the people of Dielpan in Zwaying in Northwest going to start? Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Makutu, Honorable Sushwai. Thank you, Chair. 
morning, uh, members and the officials. Um, thank you for the presentation, Chairperson, uh, uh, from the department. Just three areas, Chair, uh, I won't be long. In the issue of the, the individual subsidy schemes, which is financial link, how I wish that uh, the present the, the, the department should be really uh, understand the issue of the culture of banks and be slow. I know that people want houses yesterday, more especially. The, 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 the sector that we're talking about, the middle class. But there should be an understanding on how the banks is transformed on this particular area so that we don't create huge debts for our people um, when they are not ready, I'm saying that those individuals that are not ready, they are those that could be ready. Because the, the presentation <clears throat> talked about, we will then increase to 22,000 because the banks want people uh, that have got high income than those that are very low. So uh, that could be a risk to push people to that because the banks want that whereas our people cannot afford that. I, I, I wish that could be uh, 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 dealt with very swiftly and very slow so that there's clarity in that. The second issue uh, on, on, on the matter, Chair, is that the, the, no, I'm fine with, the, with that one. Let me go to the, the DGM. I, I, I really appreciate this uh, DGM. I like it very much. I, how I wish that it could work better for our people. Because the issue here is the silo mentality of spheres of government which do not understand that you are servicing this person, all of us. There's a nozoli why that we need to give a service, all of us. And therefore, we should show positive uh, mind to give a service to this person. So the very clear lack of a collaborative government systems that are together. This is what has caused this DGM. But again, for the DGM to work, I want to make a proposal, Chair, that there should be a very clear regulatory framework that's going to force, I use the words force because municipalities are going to say, they've got a municipal systems act, they've got a municipal structures act, they've got this and that and that. And therefore, we cannot do that. 
So there is a need to try to integrate uh, the systems and enforce an enforcement of some sort, a regulatory framework. I don't want to use other words. I don't know them. I'm not a legal person. But the regulatory framework could be a legal issue, could be ever. But there is a need for us to, to force them. We are from this process uh, in terms of the IGRs. And this has not been a successful story. That's the, the, the DGMs. The other issue, Chair, in terms of the, the disaster, in terms of the disaster, I hear that uh, this time we're going to rebuild those mud houses. I don't know what material is going to be used uh, in that. I imagine when you rebuild the, the house of my home, which has been in disaster, I'm more than donkey years. I don't want to raise my years here. I'm more than donkey years now. Now, how do you rebuild that house? One is interested to know the material that's going to be used and what's going to be the difference, therefore, uh, in terms of uh, giving those uh, emergency houses. I'm, I'm worried about the cost effectiveness of, of, of such. The last one, Chair, can we get a time frame? of building RDP houses from these emergency houses that are going to be built. Or this time, we are not calling them emergency houses. We are going to rebuild their own houses and they must be in the waiting list as usual. Or is it again, an emergency houses that needs to be prioritized? If they are to be prioritized, can you get a time frame? to build houses with these uh, disasters that we've just had, moving from the experience that we had uh, of five-year emergencies that are not yet being uh, built by government. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair Percy. Yeah, thank you, Honorable Sky, Honorable thank you, Honorable Zeki. Thank you, Chair. <clears throat> uh, just two or three things. Chair, <clears throat> I think I'm asking it for the second time. Probably I missed it. Uh, the difference between DDM and uh, IGR, the intergovernmental relations. <clears throat> the other one, I think uh, members is reminding me of something because uh, sometimes the individual subsidies can be confused with uh, the FLISP. Can that be clarified? And uh, also what member <clears throat> uh, Mokopa is saying, MIG versus USDG. I think member, if you look at USDG and MIG, they are different. That's why Houghton, there's a small amount. My last question, Chair, is in relation to uh, <clears throat> the presentation of the disaster. There's a point where my sister there, when she was presenting, said, uh, 
they are not sure of the quantum of how much they are going to use or how much they are going to respond in the disaster. And she also said they are not sure of how much is going to have an impact of the current budget. I remember this question was asked in the previous meeting to say on whether the current disaster will not make some deviations in relation to the budget. And the answer was no, mm. because of a disaster versus ordinarily budget mm. are two different things. But today, there's made mention of not knowing the budget, not also saying that there will be impact, negative impact with the current. That statement is worrisome. Can it be clarified? Thank you. Honorable Kumalo. Thank you, Chairperson, and good morning to all colleagues. And thank you to everybody for <clears throat> the presentations that were given to us today. Um, I just quickly want to go on the DDM presentation. Um, if we can please, Chairperson, get a um, detailed report or an overview of um, details of the projects per region. For example, there's 70 mentioned for Alfred Nzo. Um, we'd like to find out also exactly what are these projects and um, same for all the other regions. Um, I also just want to mention and perhaps find out because in Alfred Nzo, as far as back as 2016, there are projects that are still not complete um, from then. Um, what are the reasons, the consequences that have resulted? Um, from that. Um, and also, I also want to find out on the KZN um, response, emergency response, um, the collaboration model um, that is in place with the various levels of government, is there one and, you know, what, what does that model look like um, between the various levels of government? Also, given that this is an emergency chairperson, I'm, I'm quite curious to find out the timeframes planned to respond to the situation as such. I know some were given, but some weren't. If we can have that as, um, you know, as a matter of urgency, because it's quite important as public reps for us to be communicating and managing expectations of our communities as well. So the timeframes are very important and rather um, urgent um, in as far as that is concerned. I also want to find out, maybe it's just similar to Honorable Heron, the timeframes associated with um, the term temporary structures. Um, what is the anticipation when, you know, the, the timeframe that, you know, the department anticipates giving a temporary structure to a point where they actually um, move those people out? And, you, you know, I think Honorable Heron um, actually covered that for me. So I'll skip that um, and not talk too much about it. And lastly, um, I would like to find out when the department actually anticipates completion of evaluations um, in case that any of the communities that they have not actually reached yet. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, thank you very much, uh, Doctor. Um, just to add on the questions of members, I see the members are still raising their hands. Um, I'm not sure whether you still want to speak, honorable members. Uh, please uh, take your hands down if you have. Uh... 
the train hands that are still up. Honorable Tafin. Honorable Tafin. Honorable, your hands are still up. Oh no, Chaperson, sorry, it's a mistake now. Okay, Honorable Mukutu. Honorable Mukutu. Honorable Mukutu, your hands are still up. Honorable Masuta. Uh, yes, thank you, Chair, and uh, apologies for making a, a second bite. I thought that because you want that there's a long list, I should restrain myself. But there is a point, if you allow me, that I would just want to add to um, the questions I asked earlier, if I may. Okay, okay. Uh, and that relates to the issue of the banks and their willingness or otherwise to um, fund uh, and possibly doing so on a selective basis. Um, I'm raising this in the context that uh, back in the 90s, and I'm not sure what the position is now, there was a concept uh, that was coined called redlining, where if you are located in an area which the bank felt was not bankable, uh, according to whatever criteria, and it usually related to uh, both peri-urban and rural areas uh, where predominantly, and even urban areas where Black people, where there has been an influx of uh, Black people. Um, and, and the tendency would be to simply redline an entire area, regardless of people's uh, ability to pay back loans and their income status and all those issues. Is that aspect still one of the explanations why banks continue to shy away from banking certain uh, areas? Uh, and linked to that, of course, is that um, there's a practice in some of the rural uh, uh, semi-urban and uh, purely, especially semi-urban areas where there is a flat rating when it comes to valuations. Um, where, for example, you have uh, deeds of grant type um, forms of um, land tenure, like your townships in rural areas, where there would be a flat rate of, say, 249,000 Per, uh, per, uh, um, per, per, per property purely in order to avoid the costly administration uh, with the debt office so that you don't have to go through all of that um, because below that amount, below 250000 you are not subject to um, what do you call those, um, those kind of... Um, uh, charges uh, that uh, registering of uh, title deeds are subject to. Um, but the, the downside of that could be that a property that in an urban area would have been worth, say, 5 million, 
uh, would then be reduced to 249,000 because of this flat rate thing. To what extent are these factors playing into the space of uh, rural communities being constrained and even peri-urban areas in terms of accessing financing in order to uh, be able to fully benefit from uh, quality housing uh, uh, access. Thank you. Thank you, Take your hands down. <laughs> I want the board members to welcome the presentation. Um, and then the, on the flip, um, so one welcomes the, the, the presentation and one see that. Uh, I can't hear you, Chair. Chair, chair. it's chair. like you're speaking away from chair. the mic. I can't hear you, Chair. Okay, I'm saying that uh, uh, on the flips, I see the in terms of the the program uh, that uh, the program itself is not doing very well. Uh, the reason being uh, um, people uh, maybe not qualifying because some the majority of course of black people might be those that have been blacklisted. Uh, <clears throat> And 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 you know the, the 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 biggest challenge you have is that banks still use conservative method um, to assess our people. You owe Edgar's uh, six, but um, uh, you maybe six rand or twenty rand or hundred rand, and then. Um, <clears throat> You jump one month, or you are contesting the account. Uh, you you put you you've been blacklisted. You go to a bank, you'll be referred as a black a person who has been blacklisted, not getting a house. And and for me, it it it, it will be very important that uh, a department has to engage with the bank, um, <clears throat> because the department has a program which need to be implemented to assist those that are in the missing middle to get the assistance in, 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 in building houses. We have to, to take cognizance of, of such areas and, and our system, though we are, we are relying on bank conservative method of evaluating people, we should then um, have a way of 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 transforming the system in such a way that would not actually uh, impact negatively on the program, um, and 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 I think the again the answer of Flip's progress lies in frustrating the the, the housing uh, a, a bank. Um, if we fast track the, the establishment of the bank and we can then be able to put our terms and conditions that would actually take cognizance 
that we are in, in reconstruction and development of South Africa. Because you will not actually force bank, uh, banks. Uh, for them, they look at the, they, what they do. They, they use their own system, which is for them to get profit. They're, they are not developmental in their nature. They've, therefore, we expect that to have a bank, a housing bank, that is developmental in nature. So frustrating the, 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 the bank, uh, the housing bank, it will then help us to achieve what we want to achieve with FLIPS. Um, the, the, the on, on, on DTM, um, DTM talks about one plan, one budget. And if we are implementing or we have started this process of implementing the DTM. Uh, why do we still have a problem of coordination in the <laughs> in the areas that are affected by floods? Um, that, that, that's that's just my 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 my, <clears throat> my question because intergovernmental relations is the relations even with other spheres of government. But the center being the uh, district, which must coordinate everybody in implementing that plan that would have been uh, inter uh, uh, consolidated from various departments and, and municipalities. So my question is, is, is uh, why, if, if we have started to implement DTM in KZN in particular, um, we have received the presentation where we're told that the champions have been appointed and blah, 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 blah. Now you, you get that uh, there is no coordination, which is a worrisome. Um, the second element goes to the disaster area. Um, in, in again, responding to Honorable Power, um, <clears throat> as he said, the com uh, uh, asked question to me. One, there is a Disaster Management Act in the country. Disaster Management Act um, is administered by COCTA, and COCTA is the coordinator in terms of the in, in terms of the immediately if there is a declaration, then COCTA take charge of the processes. All the department has to 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 work under COCTA disaster, disaster management. So, <clears throat> so my understanding, the adult committee would be focusing on the entire uh, 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 broad uh, 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 disaster management, and and ourselves as portfolio committee. Our, will continue to engage with the department in terms of their contribution into the disaster management areas. Uh, <clears throat> which, which goes to my question uh, on the disaster. One, uh, just to, 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 to add on what uh, Honorable Harold uh, has indicated, the issue of the TRU, the lifespan, I know that uh, um, when we get the presentation 
in Gauteng were told that it's the, the lifespan of that house is 10 years. Uh, <clears throat> and are we not going to see a situation where people will be staying because the lifespan of the TRUs 10 years, stay in those TRUs for 10 years? Or are we going to see a situation where these TRUs, <coughs> uh, the beneficiaries who are affected by the floods will then be prioritized for the building of houses in areas where they should be, they should be getting houses or they are going to be allocated uh, houses. And then, then you will then have a situation where this TRUs at some point would then be put in a place where we wait for another disaster so that we don't have a situation where when disaster happened, we are found wanting. Um, if we have this, this TRUs in stock, we could have immediately take those TRUs, uh, put it somewhere and put those people in those areas without them uh, suffering. <clears throat> so I think the, the, the intervention would, and the coordination is very critical such that we then be able to, to make sure that how we implement, um, and how we intervene, it doesn't end up becoming a permanent residence for those people waiting for 10 years to come. I think what we should, we should do, maybe, maybe just to ask a question, are we going to prioritize these people that are affected uh, on the priority list so that you build them houses, you take the TRC, put it in the safe place. If there can be any other disaster, you're not going to spend monies on TRUs. You'll then use the TRUs that you have. That's the only way that, that we can save money. But if we are going to end up having the, 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 the TRUs that are utilized for, because the lifespan is 10 years, people will stay there for, in that houses for 10 years, then it's, it's not intervention, it's not, it's not emergency grants. And, and and I just the second question again the the presenter indicated that uh, Dr. Sokozo indicated that uh, this is going to affect the targets. The question is, if there is a disaster and then it gets declared as a as a national disaster, there's money that will be allocated. So if if then our the target is why should the target be affected because the money that you are using as you reprioritize the money as part of intervention uh, as you get that money you can then replace <laughs> that money and and uh, how, why should the, the target be get affected if I can get those clarities um yeah, I think those are the, the and then the, the issue of the 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 technical capacities. Um, these uh, engineers are they residence engineers that were deploying 
or were outsourcing from the consultants. Because one of the things that we've raised as a challenge, as an asset problem, is the use of consultants, which becomes a um, taking a lot of money in the budget. So if we can get clarity in terms of these uh, engineers, the, the technical um, capacity that you talked about as part of intervention, how, 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 how are they residents, engineers, or the skills that you need? Are they residents in the department, provincial, and in and, and, and the local municipalities, or are you outsourcing? If 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 you are outsourcing, then it's, a, it's, it's another problem uh, because um, my 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 worry would then be that most of the budget would be taken to this uh, the skills instead of appointing <coughs> having residents engineers in the system of the state, and you look at uh, what. Minister Ngozazana has presented in, in, in previously when we were still uh, that human settlement, water and sanitation. Um, <coughs> one of the reasons why they, 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 they come up with the approach of DTM is to, uh, to employ residents in the engineers. I just want to confirm whether we're talking about the residents technical support for outsourcing and how much is it going to take our budget um, and the last thing disaster uh, is a terrible thing that happens to our people but the reconstruction must then bring the opportunities in in the people's life just to check the opportunities that comes with this uh, Besides uh, giving them the TRUs in terms of job creation, skills development, and all those things. Thank you very much. Uh, DM? Oh, thank you very much, Chair. Chair, I'm going to focus on these that are not technical, and I will hand over to the DDGs to answer all those that are technical. I want to start with this one asked by uh, Honorable Swai. I think myself and Honorable Swai, it looks like what I heard uh, concerning mud houses by Dr. Sokopo is the same that Usiswai had it. Uh, I think it's it's just the, the way it, it was uh, phrased by uh, Dr. Sokopo. I, I think she made a mistake on the issue. Mud houses must have been the way it was you know, faced by her because I was Vietnam shocked when when she said we, we were going to rebuild mud houses, and for me it meant that rebuilding is the same mud house that I think it was a mistake. It's it's one of our priorities to replace. You remember in our minmec priorities that we presented um, that we stressed that in, uh, importance of replacing mud houses and it mud houses. It's not going to be mud houses. It's going to be a, a permanent house because mud houses are not different from TRZ. It's not safe. So I think Dr. Sokopo will explain again maybe the the phrase 
the way it was put in, it also raised my my eyebrows also. And and again, Chair, I think let me let me take the the issue which was raised by um, uh, Honorable Masuda. I think Honorable Masuda, uh, I think we agree with you on the issue of database that uh, SARS and SASA could assist in terms of verification. We'll take that proposal and and and, and make sure that it's, it's done. And and thank you for that. And 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 again, uh, Chair. I think most of members did ask the TRU, more especially the, the lifespan of TRU. In our policy, it says it say it must be within six months and it must be demolished. But but now I hear that even me, I, I had that in mind that they are saying when you talk about six months, they say the material that they have, it can last for 10 years, which I I do agree with the, the, the chairperson that even if it can last for 10 years, it's not a, a, a comfortable home for, to be in a TRU. So I think it gives us time for some people, the way they build houses, they, they build houses in on the banks next to the rivers, and sometimes they refuse to be removed from those places. We are dealing with that. I, I think Honorable um, Swai will agree with me. In the Eastern Cape, in Duncan Village, there are people that have, you know, um, uh, informal settlements that are building near the rivers. And only with this climate change, uh, I think we it's it's something that we also raised yesterday when we were debating that we we need to, to embark on education of climate change that people most of the time. Well, sometimes the delays are when you are telling, you know, people to remove from where they are to a better place. Sometimes they refuse to, to be removed. So those sometimes delays the processes of building proper houses for them because they re resist to be removed. I think Honorable um, I think as a mayor, you will agree with this. Sometimes you take time to convince them to say, please, this place where you are is not safe, so we want to take you to a better place. Sometimes they, they refuse to, to actually be removed. The last uh, one that I want to raise is, is the issue of, of when, when we talk about, um, uh, I, I think most of, of members spoke about how much was given to majority of, of municipalities. Uh, because I know that even the 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 question from Comrade uh, Zeki, what is the difference between the 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 what did I write? The TRU. No, I'm not looking at my notes now. But there's a question which was asked by Comrade Zeki, which was saying, what is the difference between the DDM and IRG? And again, individual subsidy versus free. I think those I will pack them for the 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 the, 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 the to to talk on, on on them and the quantum building houses, building of houses. Um, yes, that one quantum of building houses. Um, uh, all of the members is now increased. 
and and but yesterday in our um, stakeholder engagement, we're complaining that the material it increased every day. Within six months, the material is increased. But sometimes when we actually convince them that we can go, we cannot go beyond because now the impression of majority of our people, there's an impression out there from uh, uh, take that building houses is for everyone. They, they, they don't consider like day before yesterday, we went myself and, and the minister, we visited Kailicha. It's a new place. We're told that it's a new place which was invaded. And in Kailicha, they are saying they want water, they want sanitation, and we try to convince them. Once you invade the land, there is no budget ready for that kind of, of but human rights say you must give them water and sanitation, must come up with a plan. So in, in, in that way, um, it's like they sometimes put uh, informal settlements where the, the, the province is going to build houses, better houses. So they sometimes remove to, to be taken to um, so that we are able to build houses. They take us to court to say we're not, we not going to be removed here. So we, we have those kinds of challenges, especially in the informal segments where people resist to be removed. And, 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 and I was trying to talk to those that are, are not technical, and I will now hand over to, to, to the teachers. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, good morning. Are, are you going to start, No, it's fine. You can proceed. So, good morning. This is Soleka. I'm going to deal with the uh, questions that were addressing the emergency uh, housing responses. Uh, there was a question uh, where it was indicated that. Um, uh, uh, what is was required was the um, um, the the coordinating uh, coordination of responses, which is I think is uh, um, uh, we've noted that, and uh, we do need uh, we agree that we do need that uh, coordinated response. And uh, what we are presenting is coordinated response with regard to human settlements, not necessarily the entirety of government, as this uh, this is the responsibility of COCTA, as the as the uh, DM has already indicated. With regard to the presentation itself, um, I think members, um, because of the uh, that this presentation had fifty seven slides and we're only been given uh, 20 minutes to present. The first part of the presentation, if you might recall, is just a summary of everything that has been done that ended up with the um, the TRU um, 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 uh, uh, subsidy quantum. The next uh, part, it deals with just the disaster. It, it, the, there is a slide that, uh, dividing slide that indicate KwaZulu-Natal disaster, overview of disaster and, and interviews. It starts with I, uh, dealing with the whole of the situation in KwaZulu-Natal, giving you the numbers, as well as the implementation of the emergency housing responses 
in KwaZulu Natal alone? What are those um, responses? What actions have been taken, and what are the um, how then those issues were taken over, including uh, then also some of the targets. But as I indicated, that we don't have the totality of the plan, which we will have to uh, provide with you. But we are uh, getting weekly uh, reports from KZN. The next part, uh, Chairperson, it deals with slide 39. It's a divider that clearly indicates Eastern Cape disaster overview of disaster intervention. It also gives you now start with only the Eastern Cape, giving you the details of what has happened in the Eastern Cape. And the next two, uh, slide uh, from slide 50, now it says Northwest, which just say this, the following is only what has happened with regard to the North Northwest. So I would like then to clarify the confusion that might have occurred with regard to the presentation. Uh, there were a number of slides that were skipped because of the time constraints. And the assumption that I have incorrectly made was that uh, this was also as, uh, uh, given to you in due time so that then you can familiarize yourself with the, with the, with the presentation. I'm sorry if that is not the case. Uh, the issues around uh, uh, the mud houses and the word replacement, I think, is the uh, the, the language uh, issues that we are suffering from in terms uh, because I had indicated replacement with sense 10400, which is the OPNG. It's not replacing a mud house with a mud house. It replacement uh, with 10 sense 10400. I have indicated, which means the ones that are in the uh, the norms and standards. Uh, that have been approved, which is BNG. Uh, uh, it's not mud for mud uh, um, uh, members. I'm sorry also if that uh, has caused a little bit of uh, confusion with that regard. And the how long uh, would the TRU supposed to last? Yes, the TRU lasts longer. However, in terms of our policies and programs, a TRU can only be there for six months. And it has to be replaced by a permanent solution. Uh, again, I'm using the word replacement. I'm talking now about a move, a, 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 a demolishing the TRU and building a, a sense 10400 house, uh, which is uh, the typical BNG house uh, uh, members. Then there was also a, a question uh, which uh, was talking about uh, why, why, what do I mean when I say it's a small number? It was just a, a, a manner of speaking uh, uh, members. It is, uh, I was comparing uh, the disaster that has occurred in Northwest vis-a-vis -vis the disaster that has happened in KZN. It's not that there is uh, nothing that has been done. As I have indicated, uh, immediately, um, uh, we were alerted about what has happened in the Northwest. We uh, um, uh, communicated with Northwest and they sent us a letter of request. And immediately the same day, we responded, allowing them to use the housing development grant. Uh, in, uh, and in while they, we, they will then apply if uh, needs be for the emergency housing grant. I would also then uh, ask my colleague because uh, the emergency housing grant is a limited resource. 
uh, regarding the resources that we currently have, it's not enough, even for the application that we already have from Etegwini. We have not uh, sent Etegwini any money because we had said to all of them uh, they should utilize the monies that they currently have. So no one has currently received emergency housing grant. Maybe I would ask uh, the acting CFO right now to speak to that, and then I will continue with the rest of the questions. Uh, acting CFO. Um, good afternoon, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members of the Portfolio Committee. Um, Honorable Person, they, I need to respond to Honorable Powell regarding the emergency grant. Yes, it is correct that um, as a department, we have got the allocations for the provincial emergency housing grant, and we have got allocations for the municipal emergency housing grant. The provincial um, and the, the municipal, they are both Section 7 that are released upon applications. So I need to confirm that to date, we have not transferred any emergency housing grants to either the KZN province nor Etewin. We have not transferred. However, we have received an application from Etewin. What we said as a department is that when you look at the allocations as mentioned, the Provincial emergency housing grant has, has got over 300 million, and the municipal emergency has got over um, 100 million. So we said it would be proper if we can have one application, because the act allows us to move to 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 do a fund conversion. You can convert one grant into another grant. So what we said is let us have because this coffers is only that over 500 million. However, National Treasury has issued a circular, circular 116 to all the municipalities to alert them that according to section, section 19.6 of the Division of the Revenue Act, the metros are allowed to reprioritize within their own grants. As we know that the financial year of the metros has not yet ended. So they are allowed to go back. And we had a meeting with Eteguini the CFO from Etegwin and his team, whereby we, we also alerted them on the requirements of the Division of the Revenue Act section um, 196 um, that says that they can reprioritize to attend to the disasters. So, however, Etegwin came back to us and said they are committed, they've already committed all of their grants. So now I'll go on and respond to the 143 million that Honorable Powell spoke to. The 143 million was the money that was redirected on the informal settlements upgrading partnership grant. So, because of the section of reprioritizing, that's what we said that we requested Etegwin to relook at the 143 million and reprioritize that so that they can attend to, to the emergencies in that province. And also, there was a question regarding the money from the, our public entities. The monies that were pledged, let me um, reiterate, it was a pledging. The money were not yet out. They were pledged by the public entities. We had to write to National Treasury and request for approval. We have received a response from National Treasury that says because these funds, remember the financial year of the National Department and the financial year of the entities ended on the 31st of March, 2022. So the monies that HDA, 
Shura and NHFC, they were pledging to assist uh, KZN with the disasters. They relate to that financial year that ended. So National Treasury responded to us to say that those funds, they form part of the surplus retention. And we all know that according to the PFNA, for us to use the surplus retention, we need to wait for the audited financial statement, which will happen around August. So until now, there are no funds that have been redirected from our entities because National Treasury did not approve such. National Treasury indicated to us that they are waiting for the process to unfold until they can say yes or no. So, um, Honorable Chairperson, I think I've covered all the, 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 the questions that relating to the budget. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Then I'm going to continue to answer the question around uh, who will be uh, will benefit in terms of uh, the the temporary residential units. The we are using uh, the 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 criteria that is in the housing code. It's not everyone, and uh, um, there is a qualification criteria in terms of uh, the income uh, threshold. That is, those are the people that then will benefit in terms of the TRU, not 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 everyone. Um, um, and unfortunately, uh, the majority of the people that uh, uh, are residing in mud houses are the people that actually is, whose income is less than 3,500. And those are the people that we need to assist as, uh, as government. Uh, so that is the that is the, the response with regard to the replacement um, uh, also. So they will uh, gain from the tariffs as well as the replacement, which means then that we'll re, we will build them a house uh, that um, is within the South African uh, building standards, which is what I've been talking about when I'm talking about the sense N400, the South African building uh, standards, as well as the norms and standards uh, of a BNG that is in our national um, housing code. So those are the two uh, documents that are leading in terms of development of the permanent housing solution. Um, then, then the was also the also the some of the of the of the questions uh, that was the issues around the time frames. I think we would then provide you with the time frames as a, as a, the, um, the 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 most of, the majority of, of the members were concerned about uh, the time frames. We will then request the provinces to provide you with the time frames with regard to whether the TRUs would have electricity or not. It will depend whether the original house that was there does did have the electricity or not. If the original house did have electricity, then our engineers then will then connect that uh, TRU to electricity. It sometimes is difficult when there was no electricity in that village, and 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 therefore that TRU will actually not have uh, the electricity. It will just be a, a, a an, an empty house without the the connection to the amenities. Um, Chairperson, I think I will hand over to you. I uh, We tried as much as we can, and maybe uh, through the follow-up questions, if there are any questions that we have not responded too fully. Thank you. Okay. It's not if I may proceed, maybe respond on the list and the other part policy parts. Uh, 
Thank you. I think there was a, I was probably take it as a recommendation in terms of the starter kits, actually, to say we should be able to provide such. I think it's a recommendation that uh, the department will consider going forward. Even that the practice of the starter kits, I think, has been there in some of the provinces. And it sort of gives also beneficiary a sense of uh, them being able to do things for themselves when they are under emergency situation. So that we, we, we will carry it uh, forward. The other question on the side of the disasters is whether we are able to clear the land using the allocations that we have. In terms of the different programs we have, I think we do have an item where we refer to site clearance, which I think based on best practices that is out there, provinces or municipalities that are assisting, they should be able to use that uh, item in terms of dealing with clearing a, a rubble or clearing sites which would have been affected by disasters. Uh, when it comes to the issues that have been raised by Member Masuta, I think there's a lot in terms of policy conundrum that we need to address as a sector, given that some of the issues we are regarded as Department of Human Settlements, but when we define human settlements, it's broader than us. Uh, the issues of the urban and rural um, uh, what, uh, um, uh, divide, I think it's some of the areas that we need to attend to. But what I like is the fact that when we talk about it, also ourselves as department, we do engage with Department of Rural Development around some of the areas which can assist in terms of dealing with the issues of urbanization. We have sort of agreed to see we are going to have a summit and also host the preliminary uh, what workshops where we will be able to lift lift up some of these issues such that they are what may be better solutions than what we are providing uh, maybe as Department of Human Settlements. The part of the bug which you've raised, I think it's the area as a department when we what maybe amending the grant framework. It came as a result of identifying the challenges that are out there in terms of implementation of the bulk infrastructure. But as you are raising it to say, we are setting it aside, but how will it work uh, with FLIS, given that uh, we are now even saying FLIS must be also be made available to people who are getting stands who are in rural areas. I think there will have to be maybe further co coordination in relation to those areas where the request for bulk has been made and where the provinces have indicated projects such that it does not affect those who will be given bulk. Uh, in terms of uh, what we are providing for in the revised police policy, we are saying let the local authorities uh, who are governing in some of these areas that are rural. Uh, be able, traditional authorities be able to help us uh, in terms of confirming areas where people would want to develop as long as there will be that letter of authority coming from uh, the responsible authorities. It will assist. Uh, we will be giving the partial subsidy such that we are able to 
even also developed using it, uh, what's maybe a builder who's residing in, an, in a local area. So in that sense, it will resolve the problem. Uh, but I think the other part on integrated systems, OBM has already committed to say we'll take that into consideration. Uh, the comment from members around the department being swift around dealing with issues of transformation and the culture that is in the banks. It's quite true to say as a department, we just need to have a broader perspective around what is happening in that space. We have done a lot of research in that regard, trying to figure out the model that is being used by the banks in terms of lending, because um, to a certain extent, we may be seeing maybe just a tip of an iceberg in terms of them saying they are not lending, but overall, uh, realize that there is a challenge in terms of even the funding, where it's being sourced from, because the model itself it's a little bit complicated and that we see, which is just the part where beneficiaries or clients are lending. There is a general challenge throughout the, the model itself, given that uh, funding is never sufficient. You need a lot of investors who operate at different levels for them to be able to finance the little parts that we see which will be on the bank, uh, maybe front desk, not necessarily what is happening behind the operation. What we've sort of agreed uh, that we're going to do, which I think it does come as a recommendation uh, from uh, also Jay, is us maybe hosting um, this conversation with the bank banks. We had started the process uh, in the previous financial year where we were coordinating a Lihutla with the banks, which I think probably the invitation will have to expand it to be extended to the portfolio committee so that we can embark on these conversations where we are saying maybe let's negotiate maybe further regarding what other products can they be able to offer to the low uh, medium uh, income earners because Currently, it's just not working. Even with the reforms that we're proposing, still we are not going to be able to match uh, the demand because even in terms of the supply uh, for housing, uh, there is a challenge with that regard. Uh, Member Masuta just uh, reminded us about the issues that were there in, in the past in terms of redlining. Uh, that challenge currently, it's no longer there, but the problem we are facing it's this one of uh, what not being able to lend sufficiently and not even having sufficient stock. And for us to be able to get to similar interventions like those that we came up with in the days when we were seeing redlining, in those days we ended up with instruments like relocation subsidies, which have now been what's maybe phased out. And we are saying when we engage maybe in this Lehutla, uh, we should be able to enter into maybe a new record of understanding around additional instruments that we are going to put in place such that it supports government in terms of uh, what may be improving uh, the delivery of affordable housing. Because government, I think with the budget speech as presented yesterday, we do require partnerships and it's not necessarily only the banks, but we should also be engaging our uh, what private sector role players such that we are able to respond to the challenges.
Uh, the last part, I think, Chair, it's the issue that was raised by what member Tegi, which is a question around what is the difference between the FLISP individual subsidies. Uh, in the housing code, Chair, there are about 17 programs that we have. And there are two which are regarded as individual subsidies. There is this one, which is FLISP, we call it an individual subsidy, but this one is uh, linked to the what maybe credit which we get from the banks. But there is also an individual subsidy, which is not necessarily credit linked. It's around the income. Uh, for the individual subsidies, it will be for those who are between the income range of zero to 3,500. For the FLIS one, like we said, it starts between uh, from 3,501 up to 22,000. And now because we are saying FLIS, we are not making it to be only mortgage-based. It Uh, for them to be able to keep houses. So I'll leave it at that chair, but I think uh, probably what we can also do is to share the different policy documents that we have, which explains the individual subsidy and also the, um, the non-credit individual subsidies and also the fees policy so that we can be able to see the, the differences. But the key one, just look at it from the income. There's a zero to 3,500. And then for FLIS, there's 3,501 up to 22,000. I'll stop the uh, chair. I know uh, there is what maybe a colleague from what NHFC and Dr. Moss, maybe there could be other one or two areas that I might have left out. Uh, with your permission, Chair, if you may allow them to come in. Let them come in. Dr. Mosso is the pharmacy on the systems. Thank you, Chair. You have covered us, Ms. Buteluzi. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Chair. This is uh, Jablan Farazi from NHFC. I can also confirm that uh, the TTG has covered us as well as the Deputy Minister. Thank you. Uh, afternoon, Chair, uh, Honourable Members. Chair, I'll, I'll, I'll take uh, and address some of the points that were raised, uh, the questions and queries, which I must thank the, the Honourable Members for. They were insightful, and I think they add value uh, in, in respect of this, uh, with particular reference to the, 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 the DDM model and, and, and coordination. Uh, Chair, I'll, I'll start with uh, Honourable uh, Heron, uh, and, and particularly in relation to the point around the question of spatial justice. I think, uh, I think we're all committed, and I think, uh, uh, I mean, given, given, given where we're at, it is perhaps Im important to note that maybe we underplayed or downplayed uh, the real uh, consequences of the spatial disintegration, spatial injustice that we that we inherited. Uh, in, if, in effect, 
uh, uh, we were running uh, four different systems of government, uh, four different systems of spatial planning, four different systems of uh, infrastructure. Uh, here I'm referring to you know the previous classifications of 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 of, of white, uh, Indian, coloured. Uh, and black African. So, so, so those are, those are the, and, and the matter of integrating uh, given the spatial landscape is, is, is something that I think uh, still challenges us uh, and, it, and it's something that, that, that I think we're trying to address through a number of these frameworks. But the priority development areas, they cover and they are consistent with the municipal spatial development frameworks. They're also consistent with the with the provincial uh, spatial because they because they comply with all of those 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 areas of uh, of the MSDF and the uh, uh, provincial spatial development frameworks. Uh, so so the incorporation uh, of the of the of the PhDs is they fall within uh, what we would term the the, the urban edge. But also what has happened is that, as we know, that in terms of planning and development, there's the concept of nodal development, uh, which has also thrown up a lot of contradictions. Uh, so, for example, in, in, in the case of Gauteng, uh, in many respects, you, uh, you know, there's a, there's a settlement uh, called Tulam Tuana, which is, which is, which is in, towards the south. Uh, and, when, and when you look at the, the, the city of Joburg, uh, uh, and the Gauteng urban edge, it falls outside the urban edge. But Tulam Tuana fall, I mean, is a settlement of 4,000 households. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was established prior to 1994. And the whole conundrum here around is, well, if it falls outside of the, the urban edge, we've, we've got to be able to apply a realism around this. There's also the contradiction around the question around uh, informal settlement upgrading. If we committed to the concept of uh, in-situ upgrading and a settlement falls outside of that, and we then take a decision, we do an analysis and we find that that settlement is uh, uh, suitable for uh, in-situ upgrading, but it falls outside of the urban edge or that urban fabric, the spatial fabric, uh, uh, that question arises, do we, what do we do in relation to that? You know, do we, do we tailor the, or gerrymander around that? So, so those are the, the, the issues. So for example, in, in the city of Cape Town, Seapoint uh, is excluded as a restructuring zone. Uh, and because of that, uh, we've, had, we, we've had issues around the question of whether or not uh, we can approve or the SHRA is unable to approve uh, 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 grants to for 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 affordable rental in in in, in Seapoint, and those are the areas. So 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 yes, it includes the urban edge, but I think that I, I just qualify it with, with with some of those issues that are that I've raised. The funding enforcement in relation to to that we had started off uh, in the previous financial year after we had gazetted, so that we set a minimum percentage of thirty percent of the of the of the uh, of the human settlements grants fund funds to be uh, uh, invested in the PhDs, uh, we've set the target this year for forty percent, uh, and ultimately, as as I think we all would want, 
is to make sure that 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 there's a hundred percent of 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 that. <clears throat> In relation to the built environment performance plan, uh, uh, Honorable Heron, uh, that is no longer a requirement because the between Treasury and COCTA, there was this whole conflict between the, the BEPS, or as they were called, and the IDP in terms of legislation, regulatory, and compliance. Uh, from our side, we've been compliant uh, 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 in terms of our plans and the way that we've drafted our plans. Uh, specifically based on the municipal spatial development framework, the integrated framework, and then there's also the infrastructure plans that are there. So, so the so the so the BEP in terms of the USDG is no longer a, a, a required planning instrument that that metropolitan municipalities must 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 comply with. Uh, uh, and and I and I think the the the, the issue here is. Uh, and and it's something that that perhaps maybe uh, I mean it's it's opportune for 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 Parliament through its oversight uh, to be asking these tough questions because the issue around this is that we are currently working with rural development as 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 uh, DDG Putulesi uh, has indicated with COCTA uh, there's that coordination that takes place but we're not where we where we are supposed to in relation to 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 the ideal. Uh, uh, given some of these tensions that exist and this push and pull factors, uh, for example, lifestyle estates, uh, if you're able to fund uh, high-end developments that fall outside of the urban edge, uh, self-contained, uh, and the nodal development, it 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 does create uh, it, it does create around the question of well, what is the center and what is what is, what is the point that we want to integrate around. Uh, you know the, the classic question has been asked in the city of Cape Town: uh, Is is the Cape Town City Bowl the centre, or is Langa the centre? Uh, ideally, if you had to look at it spatially, Langa would probably be the the, the, the centre of city of Cape Town uh, in terms of its 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 point of integration. Or uh, there. Uh, the 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 point that I I also need to then emphasise is that. In relation to the, the the coordination and the integration, uh, uh, Chen, I don't want to blow our trumpet, but I think as as a department, as a sector, uh, given the, the the experiences, given the, the the fact that there's a need for community, uh, municipal, provincial, national uh, coordination and alignment, uh, there's a there's a there's a huge amount of 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 pressure uh, to ensure that we actually coordinate. So, in the case of, for example, uh, KZN around the question of the disaster, the provincial department of human settlements have got a warum which meets every uh, 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 Monday, uh, and uh, that uh, warum, that joint operations committee, consists of the national department, the entities. Uh, all of the municipalities, uh, including Etequini, uh, and the coordination uh, is around that. Uh, so, so the provincial department then manages it, and the, and those reports then get fed uh, into either. There's a I know that there's a provincial job, but that's better explained uh, by Cockdown. But from our side, there's a there's a there's a there's a center and it's holding uh, and 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 through through Minmec, uh, technical MNMEC, there are there are there are reports that gets that gets uh, 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 held, uh, so that coordination is there. 
obviously it's not uh, where we want it to be, and hence the hence the issue that 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 we that we are now working on the matter related to the crowding in of the grants uh, to ensure that we are able to. So 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 part of that discussion includes. Uh, with Cocta as well as 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 uh, as uh, uh, national treasury, for example, in the USDG, uh, we've collapsed the INEP, the, uh, the the energy grant into the, the the USDG. So so in the metropolitans, you don't no longer have uh, a, a separate standalone energy grant. The ideal is to have one infrastructure grant. Uh, for each municipality uh, in which all the various departments uh, uh, contribute towards that uh, and 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 there's one source of funding and it allows for 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 that that's the ideal uh, but I think given our 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 inherited uh, uh, legacies we, we're still far away the other important point that we we need to address is that and and I think it's 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 sometimes, I know that 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 it frustrates uh, honourable members. Uh, that, with specific reference to the different spherical responsibilities, the fact that you've got accountability at a provincial, at a municipal, and a national sphere, uh, and the fact that there is no uh, sort of elder or seniority in relation to government, uh, uh, the different spheres. Uh, we have to, and and I think we work within that framework as the national department. Uh, of respect and 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 ensuring that we, we achieve that, the difference between the DDM and the IGR. I mean, IGR. I mean, the IGR framework is 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 you know is there to ensure in terms of policy legislation and regulation, uh, you know, the seamless cooperative governance as we want to to refer to it, uh, with regard to to implementation of of the policies, and the DDM is the operationalization. Of the of the IGR policy legislation and regulation, it's it's you know it's the it's the it's the it's the it's the detail uh, to achieve that IGR coordination in terms of that. Uh, Chair, just just to indicate, I I think it's also important to note that 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 in relation to ourselves as the department, there's the emergency versus disaster. So ours. Our grants are focused on the emergencies to support immediate emergency relief, because one of the things that we do find in 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 in, in the current funding structure is that disaster funding can take substantial amounts of time to be able to uh, flow uh, in relation to that. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, Honorable Member Kumalo, uh, we can provide those reports. In fact, we will provide that report through uh, on on the on the. Uh, program per district, uh, including the, the 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 incomplete and the block projects, uh, that that will that will that we will will provide. Uh, uh, then the last point, which I think I I, I mean uh, just to emphasize the point uh, around uh, uh, the 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 legislative and the constitutional responsibilities. As a department, I think in in working within with the spheres, within, working with Parliament uh, and the Chapter Nine, our focus is always that in whatever we do, 
we are responding to that constitutional framework of providing access and uh, uh, to adequate housing, and 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 I think to 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 all our credit within the sector, including Parliament, uh, the Constitutional Court has not found us wanting in relation to either policy, regulation, or legislation. Where it has found us wanting, uh, in many respects, has been about the implementation. Uh, and the coordination, and in many respects, the prioritization. So if you look at all of the cases that are there, uh, they, they have not in any way criticized or been critical of any of the legislation, any of policies that have been approved, uh, or the regulatory framework. Uh, in fact, uh, 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 it's, it's, it's a benchmark for a whole range of other, other, other institutions. Uh, uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, and with your permission, I'll just ask uh, 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 Rashni, I'm not sure, uh, Rashni Atkinson, who's Chief Director managing the DDM, if uh, the, the planning in relation to DDM, if she has, and then also uh, DDG Nongo. Thanks. Rashni? Um, thanks, uh, Chair and colleagues. I, Neville, I think you've covered the points um, on DDM well. Um, on the PDAs, as you rightly said, um, in, in respect of the PDAs uh, within the urban edge, it does cover most of the areas within the urban edge, as well as also on the outside of the urban edge. You know that, for example, <clears throat> Hammond's Crawl, uh, there's significant development, new, new initiatives being undertaken there. And to ignore the, the impact of that on the local economy of Tswane would be detrimental and hence also has been uh, declared as a PDA. So we've looked both within the urban edge and also those developments and, and potential opportunities outside of, of the urban edge that you can't necessarily relocate uh, simply because it's inconvenient. Uh, but essentially the DDM is, is um, an approach now we're hoping that through the existing instruments will also bring all of the other sector departments. And I think through the work that we're doing by reflecting the, the allocations per PDA and district, uh, we're starting to see uh, a shift albeit small, but I think it's it's going to it's going to uh, result in in a positive um, impact on, on coordination. Thank you. Uh, sorry, Chair. Just to one uh, last point on on uh, Honourable Member Heron's point around the Tswane and City of Joburg. Uh, Chair, we'll just relook at that information uh, just to, to 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 ensure that it's correct. But uh, uh, we'll just we'll 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 just take it up to make sure that we. We understood that uh, uh, if there's an anomaly or uh, there's uncertainty about that, we'll just relook it and, and come back uh, through a, a response through the Office of Minister. Thanks. Thank you very much, uh, DDG Neville Chain, uh, DM. Uh, I wanted to check maybe there are follow-ups so that we deal with the follow-ups and then I will okay. make my comments after that. Thank you, Chair. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, members, you are welcome to, <coughs> to raise hands for the follow-up questions. Can I see the hands, honorable members? 
I suppose these are the only two hands because I'm looking at the time, so members should not come back uh, later. Honorable Powell and Honorable Masuta. Thanks, Chair. My question is directed to Lucy Bele. Uh, um, if if <clears throat> the committee can draw their attention to slide six of the interventions, I just want to be very clear because this is the first time that this committee has heard that Treasury has declined the request because of the uh, surplus retention uh, 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 for, the, for these entities to transfer the identified 282 million rand the, from the three entities. So <clears throat> we've heard the minister speaking about a billion rand has been reprioritized for this. 282 million rand was pledged from three entities. That's not going to happen until September. Question, did that 282 million rand form part of the intended 1 billion rand reprioritization that was announced? That's question one. Question two, 589 million rand on the USDG budget, right? But Etiquini says that it's already committed all of their funds. So they can't use that money. Is that correct? That's my second question. Did you guys tell Etiquini to reprioritize from USDG <clears throat> or from HSDG? And what was their response? That's Etiquini. That's my second question. My third question is replicated, but provincially. Did you tell the Department of Human Settlements in KwaZulu-Natal to reprioritize internally from their existing budget? And what was their response? My understanding is that the response from both Etiquini and province was, we can't, the money is committed. Then I just need further clarity on this 143 million rand from the informal settlements upgrading grant. So, the minister has said quite early on in the crisis that there would be 143 million rand that would be allocated for 8,000 rand vouchers. We have not heard anything more on the 8,000 rand vouchers. But the 143 million rand, Lucy, you mentioned as being from the informal settlements upgrading grant. Is this money being used? So do we can we can you confirm to the committee that we do have a positive indication that we can use 143 million rand from the informal settlements upgrading grant? Then this slide six that I'm looking at now, it says 992 million rand provided to KZN and then the 115 to the Eastern Cape. This is very confusing to us because we are told that no new money has been given to KZN, that they've been told to reprioritize. But where it becomes confusing is on the emergency housing grants, because we've been told that you've received a letter now via, from the municipality via the province asking for the emergency housing grant. Can you please tell us how much money do we intend to give KZN from the PEHG and the MEHG, we've got two amounts that have been given to us, but because it's all been condensed 
for Northwest, Eastern Cape and KZN into one slide, we can't see how much money is going to which province. I mean, we've got the full provincial USDG and HSDG allocations. They don't relate. That's why I say the presentation was confusing to us. Can you tell us how much money from the emergency housing grants KZN, province or Etiquini are going to be getting? And then, so that's my fourth question. And my fifth question is, is DHS giving the provincial government or the Etiquini municipality, given that it's a metro, are we giving them any additional money? Because my understanding is we've said reprioritize. I've asked the question about the 143 million rand from the informal settlements upgrading grant and from the emergency housing grant. How much new money, extra money, are we giving them? And then, Mr. Cheney, I just want to say, year in and year out, when we get reports before this committee and actually every other committee in parliament, and we see the shocking results across government departments, you guys as officials say, yeah, we admit that we failed and we could have done better. You made a comment now. You said that the war room is meeting once a week. The provincial war room is meeting once a week. And then you went on to say, and I quote, we're not, they are not where they should be. We are not where we should be. I know you're not the person here to blame. It's not good enough. Firstly, meeting once a week is not good enough. And secondly, telling our committee we're not where we should be. Why not? Get to where you need to be. It's not good enough. People are sitting in halls. There are going to be riots in the next couple of weeks. And please don't come to this committee when there is still an opportunity to improve things and to change I'm not things. Quite sure. sure we're not from my side. We are not. Sorry, I'm speaking, Deputy Minister. I'm not honorable. Please don't tell us we're not where we should be. Be better. Be better. That's our last comment. Thanks, person. Honorable Powell, the DMSA can't hear you. Wanted you to I think maybe it's just the DM. It's irrelevant. I'm sure Mr. Cheney heard me. I'm finished. Thank you, Chairperson. And and, and Chairperson, just to note, it's not personal. It's not to Mr. Cheney. It's a general comment. We're tired of officials telling us we didn't do well enough. We're not where we should be. We have an opportunity here to be better. Let's be better. Honorable uh, uh, Powell, thank you very much. Point of order, Honorable Malachi. No, I think the, the, the order chair is the tone and the language that the uh, Honorable Paul is using. Chairperson, the... I will certainly not be tone policed by a man. Thank you very much. In response Hon Honorable, to... Honorable Powell, I'm the one chairing the meeting. Please allow Minister, Minister Malaji to finish. Honorable yeah, in, Malaji. Yeah, in response to the DM's request of not being able to hear uh, Honorable Powell. Now, I think uh, to say it's irrelevant, uh, it, it was out of order. No, I, I was saying that my comment was, was irrelevant. I, maybe it's the wrong word. I was just saying it's not a point that I'm going to be um, elaborating on any further. I wasn't calling the deputy minister irrelevant. But please also just take caution in tone policing the contributions of women. That's not something that we do these days. Honorable, Honorable Powell. You are, you are making difficult for me to chair the meeting. Honorable Malachi is raising the order that the DM is saying, I can't hear you properly. Um, 
you responded otherwise. And, <coughs> and, and you are then responding to say that uh, um, you, 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 you mean that um, of which when the order is called members, we should allow the order and then we <coughs> whether we listen to the order and uh, if there is an order, we'll then be able to intervene. <coughs> so, so, so it will be helpful for me to 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 chair the meeting and protect every member. But if members uh, <coughs> want to protect themselves outside the process of of the meeting, uh, I would have a problem. So. Honorable uh, uh, DM, we I'm apologize I'm that. I'm yes. back now. now I, I have okay. a problem with network. Uh, network is, is, is in and out, so I can so I wanted to now. say that uh, we can hear Honorable Powell, probably it's your network. I expect your officials to help in, in, in capturing these things and uh, DM will be informed uh, uh, correctly. So, so honorable members, uh, I think the tone of the meeting is very important uh, because we are here, we are not here to, to fight one another. We are here to solicit information and make the department account for what they've presented that they are going to do. So I think it's very critical and important. Um, <clears throat> Honorable Masuta, you are next on the line. No. no, thanks, Chair. And firstly, thank you for um, bringing the meeting in order. And um, I think that uh, the spirit of collegiality that has prevailed um, in our meetings um, should continue because we have done valuable work in, in that spirit. But to my points, Chair, um, firstly, um, DDG, is it DDG, uh, Neville Cheney, uh, I hear your point about the complexity associated with um, a, 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 a a delivery model that starts between three spheres and the need to respect the constitutional uh, autonomy of each, uh, uh, not autonomy, but distinctiveness, to use the exact language of the constitution in chapter four. Um, <clears throat> because that's part of the problem is that uh, there is this perception that you have three spheres that are completely autonomous, independent, whatever language you use, whereas chapter four talks of three spheres that are distinctive uh, and, and, and that language difference matters. Um, but linked to that, um, the chair educated me uh, about a week ago that actually the manner of delivery is such that the resources are located in the national sphere and do not cascade to the other spheres by way of the equitable share system, but rather by way of 
uh, conditional grants, which gives you even greater power uh, over the delivery agents at, at provincial and local level. So it's not completely clear to me in that model what would present as a difficulty or complexity associated with this whole notion of autonomy of spheres. Because all you do is you receive business plans, you approve them, you issue money, people account for the money, the auditor general assists you in that regard. And if money has not uh, has misappropriated or people who are deserving did not get it, consequence management should flow. And uh, nobody should say you can interfere with our sphere in relation to money that belongs to you. Um, so I believe you have enough tools, unless you educate me otherwise, to hold the other spheres accountable as the national department. So just clarify me as to where the difficulty arising um, out of the uh, separation uh, of the spheres comes in here, given the financing model and delivery model that, um, that underpins. And lastly, Chair, you mentioned an example of C-point falling out and so on. The, there are two extremes, and I'm not sure how this department struts between them. The one extreme is gentrification uh, of urban areas which certain metros are known to want to turn uh, city centers into more affluent uh, air spaces and, and slowly moving out through various policy mechanisms, uh, the so-called missing middle, or let alone the poor, um, out of the urban spaces um, on the one extreme. But on the other extreme, you have situations like your Hillbrows, where I have personally lived there before, from the early 90s until uh, the mid-2000s, where I personally witnessed rapid degeneration of the magnitude, including issues which we don't like to talk a lot about uh, around uh, Ill illegal immigration uh, uh, creeping in, in in a significant way in some of those uh, issues, elements of criminality uh, accompanying some of these aspects, etc. Um, so you have two extreme issues around transformation of urban spaces. And of course, you have very positive, good um, transformational uh, models that have been uh, implemented within some of the very same urban areas. So I just want you to give me a sense of where this department sees itself in the face of the two uh, extremes, which are in a sense engaged in a tug of wars. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Masuta. Just to follow up on what Honorable Masuta has said uh, on the response of Mr. Chair. Um, why, 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 the, why you have conditional grants? In my own understanding, it's to give you the upper hand. This thing of uh, you are not a brother to your money does not, does not work. Uh, provinces can 
can take decision on their own allocation, but where there's conditional grants, they have to follow the condition of the framework, um, which makes you a bigger brother, even if you don't want to be a bigger brother. So, 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 so the issue that uh, mm-hmm. you are saying you are not a bigger brother does not does not come into place. I've asked a question which has not been responded on the <clears throat> on 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 these areas have been declared as disaster, and obviously the national disaster uh, funds will have to come into rescue of the situation. But department, now you are are dealing with (laughs) immediate intervention. And and the DDG when it was presented has indicated that uh, the targets are going to be affected. And my question was why? Because um, at some point, the man will be released to deal with the disaster of KZN. Are you not going to get your share to to deal with the those the areas that uh, uh, we have put it in the APP? Thanks. Um, can we get response? Thank you. Honorable Chairperson, it's Lucy. I will be responding to the question that were posed by Honorable Powell um, to myself. Honorable Chairperson and members, let me start from the beginning. There is no additional money that we have received from National Treasury to respond to the disaster. Maybe, maybe Acting uh, uh, um, DG, can you put the slide, that, that budget slide, you talk? Yes with the slide so that you can see. Okay, whoever was flighting, can you kindly put that slide six so that we can all see. Thanks, Honorable Chairperson. There is no additional money that we have received to enable human settlements to respond to the disasters. What we had to do, either is the metro or the province, we requested them to reprioritize within our current grants that we are sitting with. As a Department of Human Settlement, we are sitting with six grants. April being the first uh, month of the new financial year, 22-23, we had the allocations for the HSDG and the USDG that the HSDG the informal settlements upgrading partnership grant that we transferred to provinces. So what we did is to say to the province, I'm going to start with the province, Honorable Chairperson. We said to the province, your current HSDG allocation is 2.9 billion for this financial year. Your allocation for the informal settlements upgrading partnership grant is 756 million. Now that we are faced with a disaster, section 19 six of the Division of the Revenue Act, it says that we need to reprioritize within the current allocation that we are sitting with. So we said to the province, 
Can you kindly go back, relook at your business plan? Can you submit a business plan that is responding to the current disasters that we are sitting in? So the 922 that has been transferred, that is there on that line two down there. The 922 is breaking down out of the HSDG and the informal settlements upgrading partnership grant. So this is their allocation. There's no additional money that we're giving them. We agreed together with National Treasury to say that for the province, KZN, to respond to the disasters, can we bring forward the tranche, the April tranche? We gave them 733 million from the HSDG. We gave them 189, totaling 922. It's a mistake. It's not 992. It's 922. That is what we gave KZN. That money is not inclusive of the pledges from entities because it's solemnly the HSDG and the informal settlements upgrading partnership grant allocation. It's part of their allocation. There's no additional money. So that's what we did with the province, right? So we took a step further. We went to the metro. We said to the metro, because your financial year has not yet ended, because the financial year of the metros ends on the 30th of June, they are still working on the 21-22 financial year. We cannot transfer the 1st of July 2022 allocation because this one will kick in on the 1st of July. We had a meeting with Eteguini, the CFO and the team. We said to them, look, Treasury has issued a circular, circular 116. When you go to that circular from National Treasury, it's talking about the reprioritizing within what you are sitting with. We have already transferred the 21-22 grants. The whole of the USDG has been transferred to Eteguini. As of the 31st of March, 582 was not spent. We went to them, we said, from the unspent funds, because we have got three months, April, May, June, to spend 582. Can you go and reprioritize within the 582? We went a step further and said to them, you have got the informal settlements upgrading partnership grant. You have received an additional allocation because during the year, there was a stopping and reallocation on the informal settlements upgrading partnership grant, whereby the 143, I'm talking about the 21-22, that is going to end on the 30th of June. I'm not talking about the July. So we said to the Metro, you have also received 143. Can you reprioritize within the unspent funds? We are talking about the funds that, was, that, that were not spent by the 31st of March, 2022. The Metro said, no, we have committed all the funds. We cannot reprioritize within the unspent funds that we are sitting with. So the province agreed to reprioritize within the HSDG and the informal settlement partnership grant. The Metro said they cannot re reprioritize within their unspent funds. So there's no additional funding. Now, let's go to the emergency housing grant. We have got 325, and then we have got 175. 
is a total of, of 500 million. This is the money that is released upon application when there is a disaster or there's a housing emergency. Now, on the circular from National Treasury, they alluded us to section, if it's not 27, that talks about transferring of the conditional grants if, I'm, I'm trying to open that, that section, transferring of the conditional grant before the inaction of the Division of the Revenue Act. We know that the Division of the Revenue Act is not enacted yet. We cannot transfer more than 45%. So whatever KZN wants the province from the Provincial Emergency Housing Grant and whatever HHUNI is requesting from the Municipal Emergency Housing Grant, we cannot transfer more than 45% because we don't have the dollar. The Division of the Revenue Act is not enacted. So what we are doing now, I won't say how much we are going to process because we need to sit down and look at the application to say how much does KZN want, how much does Etegeni want, and how much are we sitting with? Mind you that the 500 million, the emergency housing grant, is not for only KZN, it's for the whole country. So we need to really look at if we transfer the 500 to KZN, for example, we won't be able to assist any other province or municipality if other disasters are coming. Hence, National Treasury published a, 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 a circular on the reprioritization. Bearing in mind that we are only talking about the human settlement, the housing emergencies, and all those things. We are aware that there are other disaster recovery grants that might come during the year. But for now, we are using what we are sitting with. So I'm confirming that there's no additional funding. The 922 million that the minister has announced is a reprioritization from the province, from their HSDG and ISUPG annual allocation. And the Metro said they don't have funds to reprioritize, even though they had 582 that was not spent and they had received additional funding of the 143. So there's no reprioritization from the Metro, from the discussions that we had. However, we have received the applications. We are going to sit down, bearing in mind that we received a letter from Northwest. We know that there are emergencies, disasters in Northwest. Northwest as well, they requested to reprioritize within their HSDG. Eastern Cape as well, we requested them. They can submit applications, but bearing in mind that we only have 500 million for the whole year, for the whole country to respond to these disasters. Honorable Chairperson, I think I've covered all the questions that have been posed from um, Honorable Powell. Thank you so much. Honorable, uh, thank you, DG. Uh, Can we get a uh, response on other issues, uh, DG Chain? Uh, 
Afternoon. Thanks. Thank you, Chair. Chad, I think the 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 point that you raise and 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 Member Masuta raised, I, I I think as a collective we get the. I mean, I I suppose it's a it's a it's a criticism, which I accept. The fact is that we have enough enforcement, we have enough compliance, and we have enough ability as the national department to be able to enforce these things. Uh, and it's for us to then come back to 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 you through obviously through minister. Uh, and and that's a criticism that's been raised is that we are just not being able to enforce it or we are being shy to enforce that. So so chair, I I I I I, I mean I think from where I sit, uh, I think that's a valid uh, that's a valid point. It, I mean I I I don't think I want to be able to say that we don't have enough tools. It's just about the ability to be able to enforce these. Uh, and then and then and then the second point, chair, around around the around the, the, the issue that 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 Member Masuta raised. Uh, Chair, that, that's I think that the, the important point around this is that uh, given the current spatial uh, framework that we work within, uh, the whole compliance, the whole regulatory, uh, the the standards uh, and 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 the policy that we have uh, Yes, those tensions do exist, and as a department, uh, we we also, I think, what we try and do is to align between what 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 sector priorities are, what provincial priorities are, and what municipalities. But I think it's important to note, chair, that we must. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want. I I think from where I sit, I think it would be wrong to say that. We have not made progress, or there are no areas of success. They are. Uh, if you look at, uh, for example, what has happened in 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 the various metropolitan areas, uh, in relation to 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 projects which have uh, come up, the social housing. Uh, if you look at if you look at some of the the, the uh, priority projects that have been there. Uh, if you if you look at what has happened in some of our urban renewal programs, uh, Katoris is probably a very good example of that. Uh, I think I think we, we must we must. I mean, I where I'm sitting, I I don't want us to make the assumption that we have failed. No, we have not. Uh, as 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 I think we all want to do is that that we want to be objective to be able to say we can do better. Uh, and in relation to some of those 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 criticisms and 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 the issues that have been raised, we, we take them we take them and I think this portfolio committee has has has, has over a period of time, uh, certainly that I've been appearing before it, uh, has 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 been has been constructive in 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 in, in ensuring that we and the spatial points chair, uh, I think. You know, over a period of time, we'll come back, and and particularly on the PhDAs, uh, we can come back and 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 report on progress, particularly in relation to investment. Uh, but not only that, but what are the outcomes? The last point in relation to that, for example, chair, is that if we take the the successes that we've achieved in relation to the. Uh, Inner city of Johannesburg. Now, yes, there's 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 a there's a there's a part that says we have not, 
But the fact of the matter is that through our investments, either through through the department, through the province, uh, through other depart, uh, uh, provincial governments uh, as well, we, we've managed to attract 50,000 additional, approximately around 50,000 additional units, both private uh, and public uh, sector in the inner cities uh, in and around Johannesburg. We can, we can look at some of the other areas that 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 we can that we can uh, point to uh, in relation to that. Thanks, Chair. Uh, Dr. Sopoz, on the target that you said you're good. Chairperson, uh, um, um, may I get the the question again uh, about the target? Presentation, you've indicated that oh, yes. uh, this this is going to affect your target. And my my issue was that in terms of Disaster Management Act, immediately there is a declaration, then the money will follow. The question yes. is whether are you <clears throat> why it should then affect your target because you are going to get the money. Chairperson, uh, um, uh, uh, the reason is exactly what the CFO, the actual CFO, has uh, indicated. Uh, the, this money is still not yet in our coffers. It's still we still have not yet uh, applied for because it takes time. So in the meantime, we are utilizing our own funds. Yes, it might come. It might come uh, and uh, replace all the monies that we have spent. But it might come and, and not replace everything that we have spent because then it has to be shared amongst all the other disasters uh, that uh, government has to respond to. That is where our it's just to an alert, not a definite uh, um, uh, concern, uh, Chairperson, is just is that we, it, we might be affected negatively, but once we know that uh, for sure, then we will communicate that with the, with the, with the, with the uh, committee. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, um, Acting DDG, Lucy, can you send the, the correct... The, the correct or the amendment presentation reflecting on the correct uh, money because they the return 992 you're talking about 922 so can can we <clears throat> can we then have that uh, corrected so the, uh, members uh, can 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 have certain that uh, this is the amount that uh, Is it check, check, can I make a follow up, please, on the question? Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Honorable Zeki. On the pre, on oh, the no, presentation. No, 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 no. Honorable Zeki. Honorable Zeki. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Kiricha, on the presentation, the question that you just asked, I asked earlier to say the department says they are going to affect their program. I mean, the disaster is going to affect their program. But again, now the answer says, no, we are going to take get our money, which is which. Is this going to, is this a disaster going to affect the programs or the APPs? Thank you, Chair. Okay, Honorable Sifai. Uh, thank you, Chair. <clears throat> Just a cleanup again on the presentation made. 
I may not know the name of the lady who was presenting. I ask a question. The time frame for how long must we wait for RDPs to be constructed for emergency houses in this particular disaster, given our experience? The response was six months. But another presenter, uh, my apology of uh, not uh, keeping the names of the officials, I really apologize, uh, humbly so. Uh, the gentleman said, we will come back with the report on when we'll be able to build a formal houses within the standards of BNG for this disaster. Uh, perhaps uh, to me, those are two responses that are not saying the same thing. Can we get clarity on that, Chair? Thank you. Honorable Powell, is it any questions? Because they've not responded to, to other follow-up questions. Can we allow them to, uh, to ask the other questions? to respond to the question that they've been asked. If there is another follow-up, then we will be given a chance. Uh, Cheney and the team? I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, I'm assuming the... Is it the one that was around the question of wanting to do better? Chair, Chair I, I think, as I've indicated, I mean, I think in relation to that, as I indicated with specific reference to coordination and alignment, uh, there are areas of improvement that we can make. Thanks, Chair. Chairperson, um, I would like to, the, the issues around how long is it going to take? So my, the six-month uh, chairperson is in our program. However, as indicated, we we'll have to then, with regard to this current disaster, as uh, the member has uh, uh, wanted, we said we will come back because then we need uh, for um, uh, the two provinces that have not provided us with the details, the details uh, with regard to how long is it going to take for them to to do the rebuilding uh, uh, of the of the of the um, of the of the of the permanent solution. However, in, in terms of the policy itself, it says, it seems after, uh, after six months, you should be able to rebuild. You should have had your plans and start now to, to build new accommodation from these people. But uh, we will come back to you with regard to, to that one. The, the, the issue around uh, the target, uh, Chairperson, we we don't have the money as yet as, as, as the active CFO has indicated. And that is a concern because then, unless we know that we will get the money by this period, we would act on an assumption that we might get the money much later in the in the year. But in the meantime, uh, our target might be affected. So we don't know as yet. We just, as I had indicated, it's just a concern. It's not a sure surety that we will not get the money or we will get the money but the procedures is that we will have to apply for the for the money and be able and that money will be replaced 
uh, as I say, we are still doing, not talking about certainty here and say the money uh, will be applied and be back in our coffers by July or by June. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Hello. I wasn't able to unmute. Hello. Hi, Chair. It's Honorable Powell. I wasn't able to unmute, so I switched devices. I've got an unanswered question. Uh, an unanswered question? Uh, which are those, uh, Honorable Member? Because at some point you were, you were, you have left the the system and then it was answered. Uh, your, your uh, I haven't left the system once, Chairperson. I switched between devices because I went downstairs from my parliamentary office. I have been present of the, on this meeting. It's just that I switched from my cell phone, from my laptop okay. to my cell phone. I haven't missed anything at all. I asked about the 8,000 Rand vouchers. The minister had said in communications um, on the 20th of April, that 8,000 Rand vouchers would be available from this 143 million Rand that was allocated from the informal settlements upgrading grant. And I haven't had any answers on that. And then the second thing that I haven't had any answers on is whether or not DHS has any plans to compensate or to provide help to those who have private sector houses or destroyed RDP houses, not just people living in TOUs. Um, and then I just want Ms. Um, Bailey to confirm to the committee that that 922 million has already been reprioritized. And if she can just give us the amount that came from the informal settlements upgrading grant out of that 922 and the amount that came from the HSDG out of that 922. Thanks, Chair. But that's what I'm saying here. She has explained that, but I'll ask, I'll, I'll, I'll ask her to explain it again. But what I wanted to to raise uh, DDG uh, and the DM, uh, particularly CFO, <clears throat> the, you are saying the the metro, the KZN metro says uh, they don't have money, and this money, the grants that they have. It's for infrastructure of the metro. And these are the areas of metro that are affected. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I just see it as an arrogant response and uh, <clears throat> uh, whether there is no way that uh, through Treasury, you can use the Iron Fist to get Metro to do what it's supposed. Um, <clears throat> because if they have not spent the hundred, the 500 million and there are people in the Metro, they have been affected. They, we have seen the bridges have been wide, blah, blah, and all those things have uh, um, <clears throat> We have seen the, the terrible... Um, situation that happens to people of KZN and in particular Etoquin. And Etoquin tells you that, no, no, our money already have committed. For what? Because the money is for infrastructure. And it might be that it's the infrastructure that has been wiped. <laughs> so if, 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 and, and, and the, the other, the, my question would be, do you just allow such information without going into analysis 
of the situation. Um, <clears throat> because if a person says the, the, the money has been committed when it's money for infrastructure, and is that infrastructure, infrastructure that was wiped by the floods? And then what commitment is it that can stop the money to to do the <clears throat> to, to 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 do the work? Uh, maybe I, I don't I don't know whether these uh, uh, grants are being allowed to utilize other things other than uh, infrastructure because U, USDG is for infrastructure pillar the U, the money for humans in the the grants for informal settlement is for informal settlement. If the informal settlement that you are supposed to to upgrade is wiped by the water, then you are saying the money is committed for what? If I can get that clarity. Uh, can we get response, uh, DT Jim, uh, finance and balance? Chairperson. 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 I would like to make a follow up with regard to the issue around the time frame of when TRUs are going to be built for the people of Tuaying in Northwest. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Can we get the department to respond? Thank you. Um, Honorable person, I will start. However, Dr. Sokopo will respond on the issue of vouchers and the private sector um, houses that were affected. I will respond on the issue. Chairperson, you are right. I did give a breakdown on the 922 million that um, 733 is from the Human Settlement Development Grant, HSDG, and 189 is from the ISUPG, Informal Settlement Upgrading Partnership Grant. I did give a, a breakdown on that. And um, Chairperson, I honestly agree with you. We had a meeting whereby um, Etegwini, they told us that their grants are all committed. When, when we read, I quote from the um, 2022 Division of the Revenue Act, they're saying, before the National Treasury approves a reallocation, the receiving officer of a conditional allocation in Schedule 4 or 5, meaning the USDG and the um, ISUPG, or the transferring officer of official of, of six allocation, they must confirm that the affected funds are not committed in terms of any statutory or contractual obligation. We had a meeting with the Metro. Unfortunately, Chairperson, if they are, they are confirming that those funds are committed, our hands are tied. We even had a step further whereby we went to the National Disaster Management Center we gave them our assessment, then we discussed, but we need the concurrence of the Metro. What we did, we requested, we requested the Metro to go back and send us a list of all the projects that they are doing in the name of disasters. Because what we said to them, we said, we know that, that the bridge that crosses over to Umlazi is not working. It was, it was destroyed by, 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 by these floods. Are they repairing that particular bridge? They need to go back and send us a list of those projects to see what is it that they're doing in the name of disasters or to repair the infrastructure. They went back, 
they gave us a list. Then we said to them, can you tell us the funding source? Because we need to know which funds are you utilizing if you are saying that you are doing this thing, which fund are you utilizing? Chairperson, um, we haven't received that information. So, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, we didn't leave it like that to say that they are saying they are committed. We are taking a step further to analyze. We requested them to go back and send us a list. They did. Now, we said to them, on all the things that you are doing on the name of responding to these disasters, we need the project name. If it's a bridge, we need to know. If it's a road, we need to know. And we even told them to go a step further to say, tell us the funding source that you are utilizing so that honestly we can agree to say that they are responding to the disaster. So, um, Chairperson, we didn't leave it like that. We are continuing to discuss with the Metro because we need to reach a certain agreement to see what is it. Because as Treasurer has said, has already sent an MFMA, Circular 1162, to the metros or the municipalities that are affected by disasters, that there is no additional funding that is coming anywhere. Now, we have to go back and reprioritize with what we are sitting with. So we are still continuing the discussions with ATP Honorable Chairperson. I think from my side, I've covered, and then um, Dr. Sokopo will respond to the two questions that were posed by Honorable Powell. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let me start with Northwest. Um, Chairperson, on the 22nd of April, 2022, we received from the head of department of the Northwest, a request for utilization of the Human Settlements Development Grant for emergency housing program for the people of Dilpan. On the same date, we agreed to them that they should utilize as they have requested the 54,928,000 uh, to respond to the plight of the people of Dilpan. That was 22nd, uh, April 2022. We then received a report uh, that uh, indicates that on the 6th of May, 2022, uh, the municipality will then submit the list of beneficiaries to the department now, not to the national department, but to the Northwest department, That because it is a requirement that when the money is spent, we need to know who are these people that are involved in, in uh, that the money is spent on, including their ID numbers and the, and the copies of their ID. So 6 May, 2022. Then again, uh, we also um, received uh, information that um, they will then brief the service provider now, the, that is now the, um, the, the, the department, uh, Northwest Department of Human Settlements, briefing of the service provider by the department and the finalization of the contractual agreement between the department and the service provider, as well as the handing over of the site to the service provider. All these activities that I have mentioned uh, were indicated that they will occur between the 9th of May and the 12th of May. Right, which is tomorrow. So three activities: the briefing of the service provider, the um, the department, the, the handing over of the site, as well as also dealing with all the contractual agreement. The, their plan, in terms of what they have submitted, they indicated that the completion of project will be by the thirtieth of May, twenty twenty two. That is what is indicated in terms of the provision of temporal um, structures 
for Dilpan uh, um, uh, uh, communities. And they've also indicated that in terms of the progress that they have made, a parcel of land has also been identified, uh, which is from the, by the tribal authority, where it will be, uh, be this um, uh, temporal structure will then be um, uh, uh, constructed. So I hope then I I I, I have uh, responded with regard to the um, to the to the northwest um, uh, aspect. Then let's come to the um, the voucher system. The voucher system, uh, it's not a single voucher has been issued as yet by KZN, the 8,000 voucher system. They are still working with NHFC uh, 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 to make sure then that then there's a reliability in the, in the issuing of that voucher system. There, are no, there is no fraud in the issuing of that voucher system. And who is this voucher system going to be um, issued to, is it going to be issued to direct to the homeowner or to the contractor? And the discussion is that only when the work has been done and inspected by NHPRC that this voucher system, which is a maximum of 8,000, will be uh, issued. So nothing has yet been finalized with regard to the voucher system. The nuts and bolts of the voucher system are still being worked on. Um, the issue about the the, the private sector, uh, um, 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 is, um, uh, uh, whether we are going to assist the private sector or not, only those individuals whose earnings are less than the threshold or are up to the threshold of government that we assist. Whether that house was built by the by by the individual themselves, but if they are earning less than 3,500, we will assist. However, anybody whose earning is above that, like your million uh, rent houses, we are unable to assist. There are other alternatives. I'm sure Mr. Cheney will then uh, talk about the alternatives that are out there other than this grant, because this grant has got limitation in who we can provide assistance to. Okay. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, DG, uh, Mr. Cheney. Thank you, Chair. Chair, in relation to 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 households uh, who are not covered either by a government uh, subsidy or uh, allowance in relation to that, uh, what happens is that through the NDMC, the National Disaster Management Committee, uh, there are there are claims that that then gets processed through the Sasria uh, uh, in any in instances uh, because the law, the current law as it sits, uh, does not allow us, uh, when I say us as government, to spend any money on uh, private property uh, unless, of course, it's covered by policy or unless it's covered by legislation. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the point. I think just to reiterate the point around the question of, of, of the acting CFO, obviously the issue around the question of Itequini uh, 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 reprioritizing funds, given the fact that this is a, a, a national disaster uh, and there's accountability mechanisms, uh, the process that we're going through is we're following that process because I don't think uh, in any respects, administratively or at an executive level, uh, uh, there is acceptance of the fact that uh, Itequini does not have any funding 
to to make a contribution or reprioritize its budget. So obviously that 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 process of accountability and of enforcement will go through the MDFC, uh, through the the, the national uh, state of disaster jock and the provincial jock to then hold uh, Itequini accountable to make the funds available uh, in terms of this. Uh, thanks, Chair. Your last words. Okay. Yes. Yes, I'm saying the last words were closing now. Okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't hear you because today I I just want to apologize. I had a very bad network. Uh, Chair, I see uh, what is written by uh, Honorable Fry that says, Chair, can we get support of all emergency houses due to disaster within 10, 10 years in all provinces of our next meeting, in our next meeting? Maybe let, let me say it up front that it, it can be possible that we get that information in, in the next next meeting of because it must be taken to all provinces. They they compile this um, report for us and it it will depend because we get the reports from provinces. I think it will be advisable in our meetings to have even if it's one meeting, consider joint portfolio committee of ecopter and and human segments because I think some of the issues, uh, uh, Minister Nkosazana-Zuma might be able to answer them because the 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 copter is also accountable to 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 Minister Nkosazana-Zuma. Maybe maybe we should think of 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 having joint portfolios so that we could get answers. More especially in the question of disaster, there was she was um, in charge of disaster. Not only herself, but and she was there and and leading the disaster. She could she could tell us some of the questions that were asking. Chair, I did explain the question of tiaras. It's I fear to say uh, within six months it will be done and, and according to the 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 the, the policy. I did explain that sometimes the delays are caused by communities themselves by not wanting to relocate to other places. So I think we'll keep on informing uh, members of parliament uh, the, the updates of, of all the charges. But at the beginning, when I was um, in my, my opening remarks, I, I, I think I said uh, that uh, the issue of 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 uh, TRUs is quite a problem. Uh, we were fighting it before the disaster, that this money is too much. I still remember when um, uh, MEC uh, Nkonyene was the, was, the, was the MEC for Human Settlements. She said in our MINMEC that I can't, I'm not going to use this. I, I can't, she used the word umjondol. They used the word umjondol. I can't bring a machondo when we have so much image So they had a plan, but disaster came. So the issue of it it, it it differs when there is no shelter, 
no nothing for people to sleep. You are forced to, to put um, TRUs, even if you know that TRU is not a good home, but for people to have a shelter, not to be under the trees. So I think we need some kind of a joint meeting with the minister, because she is hands on with, with the disasters. Thank you. I know that, Chair, you have another, according to the agenda, you have another item. I don't want to take much of your time, but we will, um, you know, try to check all the the comments and and all the questions, and and also make a follow up of of checking with the provinces, and to, so that they can, they can give us information, because we give money to the provinces and we monitor, and the, the decision of the provinces, the the way they take time. They even frustrate us as national because sometimes we're not we're not we're not building their building. We give them money to do the, to do, to do the work. Let, let me thank the members of parliament and and especially you, Chair, for your tolerance and the way you 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 chair meetings. And it's a pity that I didn't hear Honourable Powell at that time though she was responding to me because I was saying I. I don't hear you, Honorable Kwame, because I must write down all because I'm expected to say something. So I, when I was writing, I, my network went off. So I was not stopping you from talking. I think that kind of respect to amongst all of us is, is needed. Thank you very much, Chair, even to the the whip for protecting me. Uh, I, I, I do want to also uh, thank the team that has responded to all questions and and, and concluded the presentation. Uh, thank you for all the advice provided. All your concerns and comments have been uh, um, noted with um, every intention of looking into proposals. Okay. So the other thing, the last thing that I want to say, the request from the, the, the department was the item of, of, of a briefing um, a human settlements Briefing portfolio committee on on and one item. I'm just thinking what the um, the uh, honourable Nancy is, is requesting. That sometimes it's it's not easy. You you prepare this and then when it, the agenda comes, it has something else. It says DDM and at the beginning there was no DDM and um, and 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 in, in intervention and relief efforts. So. We then rush to come up with the information. Maybe if you could just give us all you want on time so that we prepare ourselves. But I want to thank because they've tried their best to make sure that we answer all the questions that you've raised. For those few words, Chair, thank you very much to, to honorable members and yourself, Chair. Thank you very much. Um, thank you, DM um, and your team. Um, DM, we have requested the only item that was not on the agenda was the, the one for the floods because we thought, uh, I've explained when we started, that uh, we had requested um, <clears throat> to visit KZN. Um, we are not getting response from the chair of chairs uh, because we wanted a situation where we would sit in KZN and, and receive this presentation and see what is what what are the intervention. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the 
the approval. We're still waiting for the approval if it will if it will ever come. Um, that's why we then said it's it's becoming too long uh, for us not interacting on the matters uh, because um, we we are service delivery department and people would start asking even our self portfolio committee what is it that is happening on the issues of um, floods therefore it will be important to empower members on the information so that they can then be able to respond properly on 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 what the department that we oversight on is their response to the inter to to the floods uh, uh, in KZN? <clears throat> so it, I think what we'll do is to say we'll jump one week, and then second week, uh, then we get feedback again in terms of this uh, um, intervention, um, because we we. I think Honorable Sefai is, is raising this issue because you would remember there were a lot of these uh, disaster, disaster, but seated where we are as members of Portfolio Committee, we don't know what happened uh, because at some point we leave things hanging. That's why he, he raised that uh, we should get uh, the report from 10 years, which I agree it might not be possible um, in, in in next week's meeting. But I think we should start with this one. KZN, every second week as we will, will, will add on the agenda, so the department must note it so that uh, it shouldn't be an emergency uh, that we jump one week, the second week we must get the response so that as members interact with the communities, uh, whatever they find, they will then have a platform to interact with the department of what it is they are finding on the KZN and Eastern Cape and the Northwest uh, disasters, and including the Western Cape um, a disaster that happened to that uh, community. Um, on the on, on, on which was uh, attacked by the fire, so we would have to to <clears throat> to get all this information uh, so that members are able to respond properly when they interact with with their members. Um, lastly, is the, the I want to emphasize the issue of uh, Etequin, DM, and your team, please. Um, Pressurize. I will use this this word maybe or uh, yeah. Pressurize uh, uh, a queen. You know, municipality has got this tendency that uh, they are they are exploiting the division of revenue clause, which says if there is the money's been committed, therefore you shouldn't uh, reprioritize. We are talking about life of of life of people. People have lost their, their belongings. People, they have lost their loved ones. Therefore, we can't tolerate such an answer. Uh, when this, the conditional grants 
passed by parliament through yourself was to assist the metro in, in addressing the backlog on infrastructure. And if the infrastructure is, has collapsed, affected by disaster, and we're told that the money is committed on what? It's a problem. I think through yourself, DM and the minister, this is your money. Uh, this is the conditional grants that we have we've just passed the budget uh, tomorrow, <laughs> yesterday. We've debated the budget. We're still going to pass the budget in June. Unfortunately, if, if Eta Queenie does not respond, there is no, nothing that stops Parliament to say we, we want to approve the budget without the, the, the KZN, um, <clears throat> the Metro, USDG's approval. There is nothing wrong stop us from doing that. They must, they must take us serious because all of us, we have, we are, we are devastated by the, the floods and what has happened to the people of KZN. Please, uh, as they play with this language, committed, non-commitment, uh, they must not, they must not never forget that these things involve people. This conditional grant is meant to help them. They have their own budget, but department has created these conditional grants to help them to, to deal with the backlog of, of infrastructure. And the infrastructure is affected in KZN. We're told the money's been committed. For what? I think in the next meeting, we need to get these responses. Uh, and thank you very much, uh, um, honorable members. Let's go and prepare for our <clears throat> our mini plenaries, their budgets that are starting at two o'clock. Thank you very much. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.